Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 89, Diagnostics, The Fast and the Furious. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, and this episode is brought to you by HKS USA. The FCON V Pro standalone computer is for high-level professional tuners. More variety of settings and more detailed management are possible. Very cool. Well, shout out to HKS USA. Did they just pay us in straight cash money, or do we have like special computer programs that we have now? They flashed your the chip in your car. Did you not notice your, thro- your throttle response is a lot better now? <laughs> in reality, I have driven probably 30 miles in the last <laughs> eight weeks. Like, I got gas three weeks ago, and I'm still on F. Me too. I, I'm literally seven miles away from work, and like going back and forth to work every day. I have used, in the past six weeks, maybe like a fourth of a tank of gas. You know, like, and that's even going to the store too. But for the most part, like, I'm just going back and forth to work. And like, when we go to the store, it's such a pain that like, I'm going there for like a couple days at a time. But your throttle response should be better. I cannot wait to, uh, you know, crack it open when I drive the three quarters of a mile it takes me to get to shop right. You know, <laughs> who boy, who boy, oh boy. So this episode, we did a diagnostics before on Brian during the Paul Walker, Brian O'Connor lap. Did. Where we went to his, the, the fandom Wikipedia thing for the Brian O'Connor character. Yes. Dug deep there. The original idea, and I, I don't know exactly, I think, so the original idea for this lap, in addition to doing old school car movies, was also we were going to go deep on the first movie. So this is going to basically be a kind of podcast, are. or like a lap, we kind of are. Because the minute. And we we're going to do, well, the minute, yes. But I mean, like, specifically this lap was going to be like commentary, deleted scenes, whatever. And we're going to fold that idea into a future lap. But we're never going to really focus on this movie specifically in this way. We're going to do this episode where we're going deep onto the fandom, the Wikipedia of what we know, what we don't know, what we might know, and some other some fun stuff behind the scenes about the Fast and the Furious. That's all coming up after the break. But Joe, first up, the most important thing on the show, extracurricular activities. What have you been up to since Wednesday? Lots of like baking and cooking things. I've, I've been keeping you updated yes. and I posted it online too. I made a pizza that came out awesome, I think. Did you see the pictures of it? How nice did it look? I sure did. Mm-hmm. I think I'm really nailing it. Like I'm getting excited about like my pizza dough and stuff like that. We made some bagels too which were awesome. Mm-hmm. They looked really good. Like, it's been a while to figure out, like, how to make bagels. Like, we were making them. They were, like, super dense, and I wasn't liking it. You have to, like, play with, like, how long you boil them because, that like, that makes the crustiness. So, like, I got them to a crustiness that I like. They're nice and fluffy. They're not super dense, and I was very happy with them. And now I'm just, like, drying a bunch of sourdough starter to send to my friends. Cool. Yeah, because, like, I was posting pictures. They were, like... San Francisco sourdough? No, the Italian guy. So... Okay. Dry a bunch of that. I have it in the oven right now. You spread it really thin on like a piece of parchment and you just put it in the oven with the oven light on for like a day and just dry it out and then they could reconstitute it. I'll put it in the mail for them. So very, very cool. Anything else? Any trash TV or anything you've been watching? Oh, we watched um, Birds of Prey. And Rachel really loved it. Loved that movie. Like, so, yeah. Like, I don't think it's necessarily great, but no. it's one of the most fun movies I've seen all year. I think Margot as Harley is amazing. Dude, and she just, nails it's a blast. it. We were like watching TV and Suicide Squad was on, and Rachel was like, you know what? Like, I feel like I want to watch Suicide Squad. And I remember, um, you know, me and a couple of buddies watched it when it came out. I was like, Rachel, you know what I remember about Suicide Squad? She was like, what? I was like, nothing, because <laughs> that movie is so fucking... <laughs> like useless yeah. yeah it turns out like it's it's not great she like she said she liked it but 
obviously you could see that Margot Robbie was the best part of Suicide Squad. Yes. And we'd yes. never gotten around to watching Birds of Prey. We put Birds of Prey on, and we were like, holy shit, this is what Suicide Squad should have been. Suicide Squad should have been Jared Leto, Margot Robbie movie, right? Absolutely. So I think what happened, if I remember the story right, is it was going to be a lot more Joker and Harley mm-hmm. based, but I then they so. got Will Smith, and they were like, oh, we can't not have Will Smith basically be the star of this movie, and so they changed the, the formula all over the place. Yeah, I remember Jared Leto bitching, saying that they like cut out like 30 minutes of his role and stuff like right. this in the film. He's in it more than I remembered, but it's not memorable. Screen time wise, he's probably in like 25 minutes of the film. Like they don't really give him anything to do. So it's yeah. it feels yeah. weird. Anyways, we, we were big fans of Birds of Prey. So we watched that trash TV wise. No, I don't think we've been watching anything too crazy. Just like our wow. normal. We've been watching a lot of catfish, actually. Like the okay. latest season of Catfish. Well, you did give me a very important update what? on uh, a question I asked you about specific, not really yes! Trash TV, but Trash True. TV adjacent. We talked about this last time. Did, did we talk about it on this episode? Yeah, you asked me on the, on I the think, last I episode. I think we briefly touched about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were asking, have we been watching live PD? And I said, yes, we did, but like it wasn't during the no- normal live PD time. Actually, Rachel put it on last night, and it was live PD from last night, and they were like in masks. It was actually live. They were like, oh, we're on like a bit of a delay tonight because like a lot of our staff is working from home and like social isolation. But like they had cops on TV arresting people with the cops in masks and the criminals in masks. And it was actually funny. It like adds like a new weird dynamic because like one guy had his mask on. The cop is like, can you take your mask off for a minute? Like, let me look in your mouth. Like, what are you chewing on? And the guy's like, nothing. And like pulled his mask up and he was like, okay, cool, thanks. They're yep. criminals, right? So like they could like hide drugs in their mouths if they wanted. So yeah, so there is live PD on. And if you want to watch it, it's a fucking weird place, man. And there's also like a bunch of, as you would guess, there's a bunch of states where like nobody's wearing masks and stuff. I mean, that's the weird thing that we're essentially living in the epicenter, like the New York and the yeah. surrounding areas is like where it is the worst. And like I've heard from a lot of people that like West Coast, there's not a lot going on. And I feel like if you're in those places, as much as you can, like even if you're not like, like, fake news, fake news, fake news. Like, you can also be like, I don't I don't fully get it because, like, it's not here yet. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. There's a lot of stories out there. I just hope that people, you know, we've got listeners all over the place, and it feels like everybody was written in. We would <laughs> repel, I think, a certain kind of listener who, like, would not necessarily be in, you know what I mean? Like, if yes. they don't believe in masks, I don't think they're going to listen to our nonsense. So they, I, they yeah. already ran away. So I think all of our listeners are probably on board with being doing smart things and doing things smartly and yeah, whatever. just be patient. I will get through it. Yeah, it is very real. Like, that's just the thing. Like, it is real. <laughs> oh, it yeah. It is happening. I mean, you're right. And that's a really good perspective, too, right? Like, if you're maybe if you're in the middle of West Virginia, right, this isn't that scary because, like, it's not really there. Whereas, like, right. here, we're seeing a ton of people get sick very, very close to us. Right. You know, so it's it's pretty scary. So In the last week or two, I think I had my first friend get it, catch it. He's better now. Okay. But, like, he tested negative, but they were saying that, like, the doctor, when they reported that, you know, that they called with the result. And they said he was negative. They were like, it's very difficult, which this is scary. It's very difficult to find, like, there's a lot of false negatives because yes. a lot of it just is in your lungs and it's hard to test in the lungs. And so, like, that's kind of, that's what's scary, right? It's like, we want to reopen and we have testing, but then if you're testing negative and you have it, like, because he's coughing and he's achy and he's got chills, yeah. he's got a fever. It's like, if he doesn't have COVID, he's got something way worse, like, and that's even scary, but, like, yeah. what are the odds that he gets emphysema while there's this out? You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. that's not likely. Like, he's 99% going to have this, and, like... It's actually really cool. In the in the lab, like, um, there's a difference between research testing and clinical testing, right? Like, there's, like, you know, different structures. Like, anything that I do in the lab can never be, like, 
given to a patient as information, right? Because it's it's right. research, not clinical testing. They're doing PCRs, like research PCRs, and they've discovered that by doing the research PCRs, they can test positive three days faster than the clinical test. Oh. So they'll catch, because they're like screening all the healthcare workers, right? And they'll tell them like, oh shit, you have antibodies, virus load, like we see it, you know, like you should not go to work right? To stop spreading Mm -hmm. it. And they'll pull them from the the workforce. And then three days later, they'll be like, oh shit, like I have a cough now and stuff like that. It's really cool. Very cool. Anything else of note? Anything else to uh, update our listeners on? That's about it. It's it's family movie night tonight. So I'm excited. It is family movie night tonight. We've been prepping for that. So this will have happened. When does this episode come out? Next, this comes out on Friday, I I think, think right? So it's so like I was, I was, I think I was talking to Jake, and I was just like, it's so hard for me to remember, because we, we record two, I edit two, we release two, but like, yeah, it's not always the same two in a week, right? It's like, four, it's between four and five, because it's like, the week before, and the week of, and the week after, and like, I don't remember, like, and I'm on top of all this, like, I know, I know you have a, the schedule. I think about it, but oh boy, it's hard, it's hard to remember. And if, especially is. considering like time has no meaning anymore, right? Like yep. it just oh yeah. Boy. Considering every day from Tuesday to like Thursday is the same day for me. It's very very strange, and mm-hmm. I'm like way out of the loop. Wes will send you know you and I a message, and he'll be like, "Oh yeah, on your last episode." I'm like, I don't even know what fucking episode yeah. was last because between yeah. editing, I mean between us doing it and what we're watching and what we're planning for and stuff, I don't know what came out. So oh boy, that's even with me, my life not really changing that much because I'm still working, doing basically the same job. I mean, the difference is that there's no sports on, which we talked about. But mm-hmm. there's you know I'm not going to movie theaters, which we talked about. Yeah, I'm seeing fewer friends on the weekends and stuff like that. But like, other than that, like my life is basically the same, which I think is why I'm I've adapted so well to this, just because like things haven't changed. But I'm also I'm unable to figure out like I don't know what day anything is. Just, yeah, it's you know I talk to my boss every day. Like he called me yesterday. He called me today. Just like this is what I hate. I want that to go away. Why? How did we all lose weekends? What the fuck is know. going on there? You know I don't go into to actually go to work on weekends, but at the same time, it's like, why are you fuckers, like, sending me weekend emails and, like, text messages about shit now? This is not cool. Stop that. Respect the weekend time. So, since we last recorded, I have two things, two quicker things that I'm going to get to in a second, but I watched a couple movies. So, number one, watched this movie, The Assistant, which came out this year, or maybe late last year, but it's like a VOD release. No, I didn't see the movie. I saw the, like, I saw a poster of it somewhere. Yes. It stars this woman, or this actress, Julia Garner, who I knew from The Americans. It just... A day in the life of her, and she's an assistant to a high-powered, like, movie exec. I was reading, and, like, response online is very mixed from, critically, it's very successful. Uh, But people, like, on the movie site that we're on, people are like, this is so boring, how do I get my time back, blah, blah, blah. I'm here, like, because I've had jobs like that, and I know, like, it just, it hit me in a way, I was like, oh, this feels like a nightmare. It could be very boring, I get that. Okay. Um, I don't know that I would have you watch it, but I really connected with it, and I thought it was uh, really well done, she's great in it, and just, like, it's haunting, it's it's very oh boy this is this is like for just following a girl at work all day it's like oh boy this is kind of a nightmare yeah i also watched have you heard of the movie my blue heaven no so this is kind of a spiritual sequel to even though it came out the same year to Goodfellas. Interesting, okay. So when Nicholas Pileggi was writing Goodfellas, yes. uh, he was dating, I believe, Nora Ephron, who has written, like, When Harry Zac Met Ephron? Sally, and You've Got Mail and Sleep... Yes, Zac Ephron. When, no, she wrote, like, When Harry Met Sally, and You've Got Mail and Sleepless in Seattle, and, like, Makes all sense. these, like, really okay. beloved, you know, rom-coms and stuff like yes. that, right? And so uh, she would get 
phone calls like from the guys that he was talking to and she would just talk to them too or whatever and she would get into it and so she wrote this comedy it's Steve Martin basically in the Henry Hill role and he goes into witness protection okay and he's out in like a little small town in, in California he's just there as he's waiting to testify and Rick Moranis is his handler and it's one of the Mikester Mike Mansey ride along mm-hmm. lap one of his favorite movies of all time he told me to watch it forever ago I finally watched it because it's on our upcoming comedy bracket which actually might be live now I don't know if it is live or not but it's a really funny goofy movie just imagine Steve Martin in the yeah. lead role in Goodfellas kind of but yeah. like like just doing this intentionally goofy New York accent and like it's a lot of fun yeah I like Steve Martin I, I always like forget about him I remember like listening to his comedy records with my dad mm-hmm. as a kid my dad thought that he was really funny so it's very good especially if you like Steve Martin or you like Rick Moranis like Rick Moranis I think retired or at least went away but uh, they're both very good in it yeah we got Joan Cusack in there fun movie you know cool. check it out good and i also today watched because we run the film club we've talked about before and we're doing a whole month of canon films mm-hmm. so i finally watched that uh, documentary about canon films electric it? boogaloo it's good did you watch it yet or not yet no i haven't it's amazing how crazy everything they did is that's funny wait hold on one second i have usa on and they're just doing a saturday movies fast and the furious starting next saturday wonderful so tomorrow as yeah. this comes out Tune into USA. It looks like it's like one through four. They're playing all of them in a row. Perfect. So. Perfect. I wish they sort of slowed it down because like it hits you with so much and they're like, as soon as you're like, you get into something, they move on to the next thing. But like, there's okay. just so much crazy so that whenever you watch this to like sort of prep for this month, there's an, an insane amount of just crazy in it. They talk about okay. like the movie you're going to, talk about the apple they talk about you know the movie that kate's going to talk about break in or life force like there's just so much crazy so if you want to know this like insane story it was on netflix for a while it's not there anymore you have to pay to you have to pay to rent it but electric boogaloo the wild untold story or whatever it's called we're checking out the two things that i want to talk about first of all i started watching rick and morty have you seen rick and morty of course so i'm like only six and a half years behind on that do you know the meme have you gotten to that point yet do you remember it or recognize it now it's like there's a whole bunch of copy pasta about it right it's like i don't expect you to understand and the high-level comedic sophistication that someone like me gets from Rick and Morty and, like... Did you ever see this like long thing that somebody wrote about Rick and Morty? Maybe, probably. You probably did. It like people, and then people like will change it to be you know whatever. It's like one of these copy pastas. But there's like the thoughts of the universe are so surreal, and like I'm so above everything. And like if you don't think it's funny, it's because you're not smart enough for it. And like all of these things, but it's just a dumb show. I really like Rick and Morty. What I'm amazed by, Go and ahead. this is not news to anybody who's watched it, is how relentless the pace is. Like it feels like every episode of that show is basically three episodes of any other comedy show because like in really? the opening yeah like in the opening 30 seconds like there's like an entire thing like it's just it's crazy how much happens in each episode you don't think that I don't watch a lot of slow shit I don't like watching slow shit so but I mean even like something like Futurama where it's like a similar kind of predecessor it's like it's not as insane the pacing is not as insane it's just I don't like know. you don't watch South Park South Park kind of has the same pace it is fast it's dense it is like they cram a lot into the episodes they do but it's it doesn't feel like abnormally like i didn't notice it until you just said it i think it's wildly fast and i think maybe a better way to say it is that they'll do in a throwaway joke or a 30 second scene what another show would do an entire episode about yeah yeah like a show will that's open fair. with like with morty having to kill his entire family who are like robotic clones or whatever and like that's how the show opens and it has nothing to do with the plot of the episode no it's just like them coming back to the garage like that was a crazy adventure morty and it's like <laughs> that but you're like wait i want to see that but like, it's like nope we're, we're on to the next thing <laughs> yeah did you get to the intergalactic cable episode yet oh uh, ricksty minutes yes, yes. Where, he, where he has access that's that was one of my favorite one of my two favorites from season one ball fondlers like and all that yeah yeah this is this is where i keep i always say it i actually say it on here all the time like tube 
brothers. They're brothers that fight nuns, you know? Like, and, Oh, yes, where it's just like, he, yeah, they're like stumbling over their lines. That they're not matter. lines. Like, That's the funny thing about it. So they're just like, they have to be like just stoned or something, but they're just playing word association, and then they make the cartoon after they're like describing yeah. what the thing would be. So like you hear them like thinking about like what they're going to deliver. That's one of my favorite episodes. That one cracks me up. Yeah, that was my favorite. And the other one that I really loved in season one was uh, Me Seeks and Destroy. Do you remember? Like, oh, yeah. Like, I'm Mr. Me Seeks? Yeah, of course. That's a very famous one. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and the other thing that I've been doing, and I don't know, did you ever play on like what? Genesis? I'm sure it was also on Super Nintendo. Uh, the, I'm sure you did. The Streets of Rage games? I don't remember. So they're like side-scrolling beat-em-ups where you're just, you're one of four characters and you're beating up guys. You're moving from left to right and you're just like ridding the city of scum, basically. Yeah, okay. It's like a it's like a very arcade game. I remember yes. these. Yeah. After like 25 years, probably, they put out the fourth one. Oh, nice. And it's amazing it's so good it's so much fun very cool. and like there's all the nostalgia like this was the game that whenever my aunt and uncle and cousins would come down for christmas me and my one cousin would play this like as soon as like basically you know christmas ended or whatever right like yeah. after dinner we would just play this for hours and i would play it all year long and i'd look forward to it and like this it's just like the same characters like it's the music it's all the action like oh i it's definitely just, like, a remember this modernized game. version I remember this, like, fat character here. Like the baseball guy? I guess. Yeah, I definitely played this, but you just you just unlocked something in my brain that I didn't remember for, like, a long time. Yeah, man. The, four, the, the fourth one just came out this past week, I think Very two cool. days ago as we're recording, on, like, Xbox and PS4 and Switch and I think probably, like, Steam. And it's included in Xbox Game Pass, so I didn't even pay for it. And, like, man, it's just, I, I love it. It's so cool. good. Like, a, a couple years ago, I haven't played it yet, but they put out, like, Sonic Mania. Like, there's been so many Sonic games since the Genesis ones. Yes. And, like, most of them have been bad. Yes. But then this game Sonic Mania came out where people were like, oh, this is like nostalgia done right. And from everything I'm reading, it's like, this is the same thing. It's like Street Fighter or Streets of Rage, but like done in a modern way. And it just, it's wonderful. We're so going to get this reversion. When we were talking about the baseball in the last episode, that like mm-hmm. the games have gotten super complex and super complicated, that you're going to get a reversion now that people are just going to want like shit that's essentially Pong, right? Like you want like button mashers that you're just going to sit there with your friends and just yeah. like drink and have fun, right? And just like nostalgia. And like what's really really cool is that they've like they've made things smarter and more complex like yes you can, there's like a special there used to be a, like it's the same thing it's like a special attack like you need to do like a defensive one or an offensive one but back on the genesis it would hurt you and you couldn't get that life back here it hurts you but as, as long as you attack guys without getting hit you can get that life back and so it's really it's, it's the modernizing it into like comboing stuff and everything like that and like you can still button mash if you want but like if you play it smarter like it just they did every, they cool. did all the little things right perfect so that's what i've been up to i've just been playing a bunch of that nice. watching a bunch of rick and morty and you know the movies i talked about nice um the rick and morty there and on back on that note though there's like another oh, sh- it's coming back tonight did you know that oh no and they're also releasing a new show that's the same guys that looks just like Rick and Morty on Hulu. Did you see this, like, next yes. week? Yes. Dan Harmon's not involved. It's Justin Roiland who does the voices, and he yes. helped create the show. Yeah, yeah. it's, like, some other... It's, and it's, like, Aliens, so it's essentially just another Rick and Morty-type show. Right. So I'm gonna give it a shot, but I'll watch Rick and Morty when it comes back. We'll probably... I mean, you know, we have family move, movie night tonight, so probably watch yes. it after that, or tomorrow. We have a Patreon here on the show, TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of Ooh. High School Slumber Party, and Haley Gerbys for supporting Thank us in there. Guys. Thank you all so very much. Thank you. If you want to be part of our Gallo 12, if that has not been filled Ooh. yet, 
Join at TooFastToForever.com. There's something we're toying with. I know. Joey it's like, blew my what? fucking mind last week. Like, I'm busy at work. It was Friday. I was doing a lot of work stuff. I opened my messages from him, and I just saw this picture. I was like, holy shit, this is probably the best idea you've had in a very long time. And he's full of good ideas, trust me. He really is. Well, thank you. This, I was like, this needs to happen. This absolutely needs to happen. I feel like we're doing Patreon both right and wrong. Like, we're, we're, <laughs> we're essentially losing money. Like, we're spending so much. Like, all the money that we get goes to, like, the stickers. It goes to the recording program. It goes to the whatever. It goes to this, that, that, whatever. And then this is going to cost us, like, a stupid amount of money, probably. But, like, it's so so cool. cool. It's such a cool idea. I I, got to figure out how to get it made. Man, oh, man. It makes me happy. It's so fucking cool. Yeah, I was really amped on it. And I think that you guys will be amped on it. So get ready for a little surprise, hopefully. So join the Gala 12 at TooFast2Forever.com. Uh, we have an email address here on the show, family at cageclub.me. And Joe, today we have... How many? Hit me with a number. Four emails. It's nice. three from Nick, kind of back to back to back, and cool. then we got one from Alex. Okay, shoot him off. So first up from Nick, The Rock and Stone Cold for president. That's the, that's the ticket that I wanted, right? Isn't that what I said? No, you said The Rock and Kanye. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I mean it's effectively the same thing. <laughs> Yeah. But I think that Stone Cold could really draw in the like the, the yeehaw, right? Because he's he's a down to earth kind of guy, a beer drinker, yeah. you know. So like he could he could really you know unite the country. I think the both of them. I think that's a good ticket. Sorry, go ahead, get into the email. He probably says this. First off, another mistake the movie did. The first movie did. He says body shops are just general repairs on body and frames and paints. Guess yes. nobody thought that we would catch the sign. I sure didn't. Oh, okay. I guess I'm just saying yeah, like body shop interest in terms of like the shop. That that you know Hector has or that Dom has or that Johnny yes, Tran has. Yes, they're not. Or whatever, they're not right? mechanics. Just... They're not like mechanic shops or like garages. They're right. body shops, and he's right. My dad's friends have body shops, not garages. They can definitely do mechanical things, but for the most part, they just putty repair bodies. I wonder if this is something that Craig Lieberman was yelling about. Like this isn't a body shop. <laughs> Like I think Craig. he was yelling about a lot, and I think that nobody was yeah. listening to him. Nobody listened to anything, yeah. Nope. Danger in the manifold is not a real thing. <laughs> They're like, we don't care. Uh, Nick says, motorsports are sports you need to be in shape, and especially in NHRA when they were pulling, I think, six Gs and 350 miles an hour in under four seconds. Different but still sports. And this is when you were saying that you didn't think that NASCAR or whatever was still a sport. Yeah, he's right. It's physically taxing in the sense that they're like, you know, under physical stress. Mm-hmm. He says, and this is, I think it's just a bunch of different thoughts. We're going to jump from one thing to the next. He says, think, I think Cypher could start a Terminator war. It would be cool if she fought Etion's super soldiers with robots. Plus, oh. it seems like they're gearing up for a family versus family war. Shaw's have like two brothers and a sister. And as of nine, the Toretto's have two brothers and a sister. Interesting. That would be cool. And you're right, with her taking over the cars and stuff like that, like, she would fight the super soldiers with, like, Internet of Things type things, right? Like, you can mm-hmm. have, like, a microwave that's trying to kill someone or whatever. Cause Just so- becomes Transformers. Exactly. Which is also under Universal, I think, right? I don't know. You would know better than me. Yeah, Transformers at Universal Studios, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's happening. It's all happening. It is. Especially as, you know, NB- or a- AMC and now Regal <laughs> don't show Universal movies. Universal would be like, hey, let's just mash it. Like, ima- <laughs> so, okay. So, like, every Fast and Furious movie makes a billion dollars. Every Jurassic Park movie yep. makes a billion dollars. Yep. Every Transformers movie yep. makes a billion dollars. They're like, hey, cool. Meet Fast and Furious times Transformers times Jurassic Park. Here's a $3 billion cross- movie. Sorry we can't show it at AMC, but it's in your living room for a 15 bucks. Like, yeah, okay. Dude, yeah, I would definitely rent it for sure. You know what I mean? Like, if they were like, 
the crossover event of the year. It would be like, yeah. fuck it, yeah, I guess I could have yeah. to watch this. Like, good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. If you have, like, Transformers nope. versus Fast and the Furious versus Jurassic Park, it would be like, I gotta fucking see what they're doing. Like, I gotta watch it on repeat forever. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, I mean, like, you'd have to just, like, there's no way that any person on the planet would not have seen that movie. It's something for everybody except for, like, maybe except for people with taste. <laughs> like, <laughs> everybody else is like, oh yeah, one of those things I love. Exactly, yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that there's, there'd have to be, like, everybody would be like, did you see that movie? It would be like, you know, ti- it would be way bigger than Tiger King, right? Like, Twitter, Facebook, yeah. everybody would be like, when then the dino ate the Transformer? And, like, like there'd be a million memes. It would just, yeah, it would go out of control. Actually, this is not, you mentioned microwave. This is a different microwave. I think this is in okay. the, the Toretto family kitchen. Nick just says, I want to know if the microwave works, and I don't know why. Is the microwave in the safe house or the microwave in the i think the one you know we could we could fit a lot of micro we could fit a lot of popcorn in this thing but they have popcorn so they we assume that it works by law but but it did but like it's you know vince is having vince is struggling with it but i don't think vince is like the brightest bulb in the in the pack either yeah and he's not sober so him not being able to work out the microwave does not mean the microwave does not work right right yeah. yeah, he says this is something that I think. Uh, oh boy, somebody wrote in last episode. What? I don't remember, and I'm so sorry. Uh, at the end of the fourth movie, the beginning of the fifth, it's Rico and Tego in the yes. third car, which we talked about last episode. Yep, we did. So speaking of Kevin Hart, his new book or audio book, I can't make this up, is really good. Oh, interesting. I've never thought about. I didn't even know that he had a book or audio book. I'm gonna add that to my. I have like a, a bookmark that I check check every morning. That's like my Amazon wish list of like Kindle books. Oh, because cool. it feels like biographies are always every couple of months they're like oh this is like two or three bucks so when I when it goes on sale I will uh, pick that one up and I will let you I know I bet it's a fun I mean, read point. and I bet it's an yeah. easy read right so like this would yeah. be like a good this is a great recommendation during quarantine time so I like it if only Audible sponsored our podcast we could get it for free but oh. no and then he says my wife was watching the show called The Circle seems like it would be right up Joe 2's alley oh trust me I binged right through the circle as soon as it came out. <laughs> I blew. We we finished that in like a day, and yes, it was great. Yeah. I told you. I think I told you about this one, right? I think so. Yeah, because that was the one that like everybody was all about. Yeah, it was like that. You're in a room and you can like catfish people. Like you're all like in an apartment building and like you can only talk through your TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah. great. I agree. I very 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 much enjoyed it. So circle was good. And if your wife liked the circle and she wants something messier, tell her to watch Too Hot to Handle because it's on Netflix too, and it was chaos. Cool. And then he writes in about Vanishing Point and Death Proof. He says, Vanishing Point, it's been a long time since I've seen it, and I had to watch the movies again, so I'm fresh. Okay. But I caught more things this time. First, I think the girl at the gas station was the girl that he freed from the cop car. It looks like her. In his blank stare, he seemed to recognize her. Oh. Remember the flashback where he, like, frees her from getting raped by the cop? Yes. And then he sees her? That's very possible. I mean, either it's her. It's either her or, or it triggers the memory of her, right? Yeah. Like, they look so similar. I was thinking it was the latter, that he saw her and was like, oh, shit, she looks just like that other girl, right? Because I do this all the time. But it very much could have been her, actually, too, so... Yeah. He says, another thing, the Nevada cop in charge is like in the whole movie. Even in Cali, he's at the roadblock and he beats up Super Soul. Determination oh. reminds me of Smokey and the Bandit, LOL. Yeah, cops everywhere. Yeah, there is. He says, plus they do play chicken in Fast and Furious, I guess Too Fast, Too Furious? And they're racing for a Dodge Challenger. Well, they play chicken in Too Fast, Too Furious, and Dom and Shaw play chicken in Fast and Furious Seven. Six, seven. Yeah. Yeah. So we did a couple episodes of Chicken. I always forget about the one with the with the Camaro, like with the old time, uh, the the classic car guys in two. 
when they like drive down at each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always remember like the Shaw and Dom one, but I don't remember. You the thought other this one. was going to be a street fight? You're goddamn right. Yeah. Death Proof, he says, is still a weird movie. Cars were cool, like the Nova in the beginning. Seems funny that the cover of the movie shows a Camaro, but there's no Camaro. Yes. We talked about that very, very briefly in the trivia. That it was just like, whoops. Yeah. He says, uh, it's an ugly year Mustang, and there's also a Charger and a Challenger. Oh, and the hatchback Honda, and the old Ford truck he shoves off the road. Yes. Still a cool scene at the end. Stuntman Mike is very creepy. Might have more to say since I haven't listened to the episode yet. So anyways, check out my taillights, boy, Nick. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. That was a fun email. Thank you. Then he quickly followed it up with, uh, forgot to mention that Roxana was funny and has spunky spark to her. And oh. the quiz was funny. She should bring all of her friends on. They're very intuitive. Yeah, I think that's a good crew. Like, the whole, like, Pajiba Network crew, right? Like, Yeah, we got more coming. We got more coming. Yeah, they're great, man. I'm, I'm a big fan. I I preach the gospel of Pajiba to all of my friends that'll listen. They write a lot of stuff that's up our alleys. They do, like, you know, Kate's always writing hot takes on Twilight. Bullsh- the Circle. Con- I don't, I don't right. understand how, like, she basically does what we do, but, like, gets paid for it. She's like, I'm going to write about these same three things, but I'm going to get paid for it. It's like, you pulled one over on a whole bunch of people. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know yeah. how you did this, girl, but, like, like get what it. did she, like, what article did she just put out? It was, like, why Twilight is awesome or something like that. And just, like, I was like, you are killing the game right here. This is amazing. Yeah. Or, like, why you should watch Twilight during quarantine or something. It was like, go for it, lady. I'm, je- I'm just more jealous than anything. I will uh, tease this, um, that we're going to have another Jaiba writer on this upcoming episode of Tokyo oh, Drift. Oh, damn. Uh, then Nick said, I think it was like a couple hours later. Yeah, a couple hours later, he said, hello. He said, wanted to mention that Burger King also did that for the Big Mac, too. The Big King looks just like the Big Mac, because we we're talking about how they did the yes. Quarter Pounder King. So I guess I, Burger King just like straight up like, hey, what are you going to do about Jack it, McDonald's? Shit. Nick says, I need to watch all of Tarantino's movies. Haven't seen a lot of the old ones, and I enjoy the new ones. Well, if you like the new ones, the old ones are even better. Like, they're I think the so. best ones. Yeah. He kind of got, like, a lot of carte blanche after he made some of the classic old ones, like, because they were so good, so now he kind of just makes whatever he wants, and they're very Tarantino-y, like we were talking about in Death Proof. If you do, like, any of the new ones, the old ones, you can see, like, where he, like, actually got it, and they're usually more original. Not that any Tarantino movie's not original, right? He just stole, like, all the coolest things from every other movie that he's seen, but they are more original. I do think that back in the day, like, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction are lighter on the lifting. Like, they are inspired by classic crime movies, but they're, like, there's a reason that Pulp Fiction, like, changed the way that independent mm-hmm. films were made because it was like yes. such a revolution there, right? Yep, I agree. Kind of Kill Bill and Beyond. It's like, oh, I'm taking this from this, I'm taking this from that. But like the early ones... Agreed. I did like Death Proof more the second time, especially knowing Tarantino more. I never heard of Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, surprisingly, but glad it's getting covered. Hope I can find it somewhere so I can watch it on my truck. Yeah, I hope you found it. It was a pretty good movie. I'm sorry that we kind of like, you know, spoiled how vanishing point it was, but it was fun. By now, people would know that like in the second half of the episode, like we do a, a, a con break, right? Like, yeah. we don't spoil... Like, we're not spoiling what we're talking about in the second half here in the first half, so that if people want to whatever, whether they're talking about a movie or a show or just... You can stop in the middle, come back when, whenever, you know? Word. And then here, Joe, this is your uh, direct influence on Nick. He says, I downloaded Disney Sorcerer's Arena. Oh, God. Not bad. It's it says, fun! strong in Raid Shadow Legends. Uh, dude, Disney Sorcerer's Arena is fun. Like I said, it's brain mush, right? I'm, I'm really needing something to escape lately, so... It's very simple. It's dumbed-down, turn-based character fighting right so yeah. 
I like it. Thank you. I'm glad that you tried it. It is fun. So here's a kind of a correction or a question that Nick has about the, not the minute what we did, but the minute we talked about. Okay, and actually, what? Jake messaged me something that he also noticed, too. So I'm going to mention, I'm going to weave a Jake thing in here, too. Cool. Go so ahead. Nick first says, in the minute, the oil is used, and I want to know why Tran is storing used oil. He says, it's black, True. while new oil is tan and clear. True. It's not black until the car runs it a while, and it gets burnt or worn down. Plus... Yes. You don't want it to be gunky or chunky. That's bad news if that happens, especially with new oil. Yes. I'm going to take a guess here. I don't know why it's in like a pump canister, right? But he is right. And it's something that I didn't even like connect in my brain. He nailed it. You do have to contain your used oil to like environmentally properly dispose of it. And they're in California. I'm sure they have very strict regulations even back then on how you can Mm -hmm. dispose of the oil. So I'm assuming that's why he kept it. Why you can pump out of that oil can as opposed to just like you know, just Dumping adding it. to it, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me, but I get why he would still keep it. Maybe he's just waterboarding a dude every week, and he's like, we need a rig where we have the used oil that I'm going to just dump in Ted's mouth. Like, what if Ted, like, every week got waterboarded with the oil? It's like, Ted, <laughs> how do you not know by now that this is going to happen? Stop stealing engines. Apparently. That would be fun, yeah. Ted just gets waterboarded over and over and over again. Just doesn't get it. It's like Groundhog Day. And I also do want to say that Jake messaged me on Go Facebook, ahead. and he was like, he was watching, it's in the Danger to Manifold race, that first real race yes. in the first movie. Okay. In that race, they cut to Brian's speedometer and it shows zero miles an hour. So, whoops. Whoops. That was the thing that Craig Lieberman was talking about, though, that, like, in a lot of the scenes that Brian's, like, racing in, if you see Brian, he's in a car with, like, paper gauges, right? Because they didn't have enough money to, like, give him real gauges. So they would just, like, tape, like, a piece of... Like, they literally, like, scanned his gauges and then, like, taped it onto a piece of paper and just, like, stuck it in the car. So they probably had two then. They had, like, a zero and a hundred. They just had the wrong one on there? Yeah. I'm... I'm guessing, and I, yeah. Nick says, I, and this is going back to the conversation with Brian, what? he says, I did wonder if you were ever going to do the parody even being bad, not like you have to watch it over and over again. Parody of Fast and Furious. Well, the ones like super bad, the ones like Brian, or not super bad, super fast, the ones that Brian was like, you're going to do these. Yeah, I think that the parodies will be fun. We plan, we plan to do them, for sure. Yeah, we were talking about, I think probably on the episode with Brian, having like a whole parody lap. I don't think there's enough, so I think we're going to just work those into and sort of, you know, swallow our medicine with like good delicious other things where like we have like a modern car movies kind of thing like we're doing classic movies this lap we'll do another lap of this at some point but the modern ones that's where we can work in like those bad ones but like also cool more modern things so yeah i also think like a whole lap full of parodies would be like too much i don't think that would be enjoyable yeah he says the quarantine house game your idea was fun and funny he says that rat is pissed he was just heated up in the bucket good (laughs) luck (laughs) yeah I'm glad that you guys liked that. That was this was just something that popped into my brain as I was doing this, and um, I'm glad that it was enjoyable. He says, "Fox Force Five out." Nick taking it a little too seriously. Check out my taillights, boy. Oh, thank you for writing it again, cool. Nick. Those are fun emails. And our last email today is from Alex, running a record or running a record during the Rona. Ooh. And so remember, Alex picked our Cannonball Run movie last episode. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. He says, so when I originally picked Cannonball Run, it was just after the record was set. Well, there was some talk about whether or not quarantine would be a good time to try a record run. Ed Bologna oh. talked about it on, v- on VinWiki back in March. But someone just did that at the beginning of April. It says, here's the article about the group of guys who dropped it to 26 hours and 38 minutes, which is fucking nuts. But that's fucking genius, too, because there's nobody on the road. You know what I mean? So, like, it's a great time to try to do the run. 
Like, if you, like, geared up for it, you'd be like, let's send it. So it says a team exploited the coronavirus pandemic to set a 26-hour, 38-minute cross-country record. Cannonball purists are criticizing the run as grossly irresponsible, <laughs> while the nation deals with an emergency of unseen magnitude. Okay, again, we're preaching social distancing. If you're doing a run in a car, really, how much are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, they have to stop to get gas. You pure all your hands on the gas pump. It's not like this is... They're not, like, putting other people at risk by doing this, so... The article says only a few months have passed since we reported the New York to L.A. cannonball record was broken. It's allegedly been broken again. The 26-hour, 38-minute time, which beats the record set in November by more than 45 minutes, appears to be legitimate, according to a cannonball insider and driver who set his own record 28 hours and 50 minutes in 2013. All we know is about the set of scofflaws is that there were three, maybe four, and that they were driving a white 2019 Audi A8 with a pair of red plastic marine fuel tanks ratchet strapped into the trunk. They started the Red Ball, Red Bull, Red Ball, Red Bull, Red Ball Garage in New York City at 11.15 on 11.15 p.m. on April 4th and ended less than 27 hours later at the Portofino Hotel and Marina Jesus. in Redondo Beach, California. God the traditional start and end points of a cannonball attempt. That's incredible. With four dudes, you could power through this. And, like, nobody on the road. It's, it's genius. I, I, I applaud these guys, actually. You're going to go stir-crazy. Like, people need to do something. And this is, like, I mean, minus the speeding aspect of it, this is low on the danger scale of corona scale, right? Right. It did not escape many longtime cannonballers that an immobilized workforce in hard times might create ideal road conditions for fast driving thanks to much lower traffic volumes. Yes. Using an online chat groups ensued, but most decided it was better to cast their lot with the rest of humanity and stay home. Most but not all. True. Debate within the group of self-anointed Brock Yates disciples raised. Was it appropriate to participate in an illegal cross-country race or even a time trial during a period of national crisis when it became apparent that someone on the outside had gone ahead and completed a very successful runs? Responses ran the gamut from nice job to who the hell do these guys think they are Ugh. to who the hell are we to judge them? They were yeah, talking about recognizing the new time due to the extraordinary circumstances. That's fair. That This is a thing, right? Like if they like, if there was some kind of prize... That was like, you got the fastest time and you got it during Corona. Like that's, that's a little unfair. So, you know, they'd get an asterisk. If you just want to do it, you're not harming anyone. So fucking do it. I don't care. It says that's John Ficaro, the creator and organizer of the 2904, which I don't know what that is. I might have skipped that earlier and hit, pointed out. There's no sanctioning body for an illegal cross-country races and time trials. Exactly. He suggested that those worried about besmirching the legacy were taking themselves too seriously. Word. I'm with this guy. Thumbs up, bud. It's an illegal fucking street race, so what are you going to do? Just why are you getting worked up about it? You know what I mean? People just want to be pissed off about the dumbest shit, man. Yeah. All these seem like, is to me, is the guys that are jealous that they like their wives won't let them do it right now. <laughs> Or something like that, you know what I mean? Where you're like, no, stay home. Like, if it's like four dudes that work at a garage that are always in contact with the same four dudes that work at a garage, like, you're not yeah. meeting anyone. It's not like right. you like went to a concert. I think going to a concert is like more dangerous than them oh, driving 100%. them four people in a car that want to drive fast. Like, I, again, the speeding, I get it, that's dangerous. But at the same but it's time, also it's like, safer to do the speeding now because there's fewer cars exactly you can crash into, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so oh, fuck boy. it. Oh, people just like to complain. Alex goes on, he says, if anyone gets any interest in the real cannonball that expired the movie, Alex Roy's movie Apex 2, The Secret Race Across America, covers his record run in 07 with a bunch of ah. interviews with guys who ran the race in the 70s and 80s. I'd also recommend Roy's book, The Driver, and Ed Bullion's books as well. Stay safe, fam. 
Alex. Add them to the book list, then. We got all kinds yeah. of good book recommendations today, huh? Yeah. When I was looking the other day for more car movies, like, I was just putting together, like, this sort of, you know, sample list, because this is not going to be the next few laps, like, you know, in the lap yeah. of classic car movies and modern car movies, and I was looking, and there are so many... Looks like fictionalized versions, and like we were talking about, like the Gumball Rally. There's movies about that, Rat Race, and then documentaries and stuff. Yeah, like there's so many of these, both modern and throwback, that are like because it's a cool idea, right? It's just like there's so many storytelling possibilities in there. So yeah. When I was watching Cannonball Run, I was thinking so much of like Rat Race and how that that was like a modernized kind of version of this. It not it's not identical, but it was very similar. You've seen this movie, right? Yeah. It, it was making me think of that because they're just like goofy characters trying to get somewhere, and like everybody's in a race cool absolutely cool that's all the mailbag that we have so if you want to email us family at cageclub.me just let us know just say hi that you're listening that you're yeah, let us know you're, in, good. That you're safe whatever Healthy. if you're what if you're doing a, a cannonball run unsanctioned what's your time record <laughs> let us know we won't complain about it i promise yeah so on the streets joe news about the fast and furious two things what? Number one that i think wes sent us and then one that was Tremendous news that uh, I need to find. I want to get the exact tweet. Hold on. Oh, yes, I know exactly what you're about to say. It's going to be a little like late when this episode comes out, but like, holy shit. Everything we say is late because it's just, you know, how it works. Whatever. On Friday, no, not Friday, maybe Thursday, whenever it was. When was the 30th? Thursday. Yes. Uh, My sister sends me a screenshot because my sister loves Chrissy Teigen. And Chrissy Teigen tweets, My boobs. Chrissy Teigen, if you don't know, is a model and now a cookbook author and just a wonderful Twitter follow and just, you know, wife of John Legend co-host of Lip Sync Battle. Mm-hmm. She tweets, My boobs are in the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. I sat on the floor with 200 people in a parking garage in downtown LA. They pulled me to be, quote, girl getting out of car, and the shot ended up cutting off at my face as they panned up my body, LMAO. Mm-hmm. She says, Can someone find it? I don't want to have to watch it. Bra. Yeah, but it's a parking garage scene. I believe the boobs are in a pink bra. Yes. So then almost immediately, Fred <laughs> at Rock the Fred set, replies to her and says, just with a screenshot, right? Yeah. And she says, Fred, how did you get this so quickly, LOL? And then he tweets back a screenshot. If you searched Tokyo Drift <laughs> boobs getting out of car, it's like the second hit. <laughs> and I just put it on Twitter and I said, this is terrific SEO. It's definitely terrific. But I mean, how how is she so surprised that he found it so fast? Like everything Actually, is you know on what Google. I haven't done yet, which I'm going to do right now. What? I'm going to hit Fred with a boy to we with a BD Wapfy. I was just thinking it. I was going to say I was going to use Fred in the next game, but touche. Maybe he just hates Fast and the Furious and loves Chrissy Teigen and knows how to use Google. Yeah, and like he put it there. Yeah. So that was one thing. So Chrissy Teigen is now apparently part of the family. She is. in the movie. She is. This is something that Wes sent in. He said it was uh, on Collider, Furious 7 original ending revealed by Chris Morgan. So we've been talking about for a while since the aforementioned Kate Hudson was on the podcast Mm -hmm. and her idea that like basically Paul dying made them rewrite a bunch of stuff. But this is apparently the original, original ending for Furious 7. What was it? When Fast Five marked a critical and commercial high point for the Fast and Furious franchise, the series was reinvigorated. Fast 6 was even more successful. Ultimately, in the midst of filming Furious 7, the series lost a friend and star due to Paul Walker's untimely passing. Mm-hmm. After reconvening, the producers, stars, and James Wan agreed to finish the movie as a tribute to Walker, but required a massive amount of restructuring, rewriting, and reshooting. Mm-hmm. In effect, the entire third act was changed, and instead of setting up future sequels, Furious 7 goes off on an emotional note as Walker's character rides off into the sunset. Yes. So this is actually, this article came out 
when Fate was coming out. So this is basically like a lead up into Fate. Okay. One of Collider's writers sat down with Chris Morgan, the screenwriter, and this is the intended story arc for Brian. Okay. Well, the original ending, if I remember correctly, was our guys end up solving the problem and then kind of becoming, again, going more outlaw. Sort of a happier ending that kind of ends with the insinuation they were going to go off onto this heist or this job. But the core issue for Brian was the kind of who am I? He's okay. a guy who used to be a cop and in the thick of the action and a racer. Now he has an amazing wife, a kid, and another on the way. Uh-huh. Then he starts to look at his life, and it's not like a midlife crisis, but we said in the movie, I miss the bullets, I miss the action, and the point of the adventure was to show by the end of it that the thing that's truly important to him is his family and being there. Mm. It wouldn't mean that he has to stop those adventures or those things, but the context is just a little bit different. He has a different understanding of who he is at his core and what's most important in his life. That makes sense. That's a tragedy with Paul happened halfway through shooting. We had him in a lot of the action stuff, not a lot of the dramatic stuff. So those were going to be impossible to get. Then we have the question of, like, there was a real moment where not only were we just emotionally devastated, but there was a real question of, is it even possible to finish? There was a beat where we were actually just thinking about shutting it down and not going on with it. We took a little time. Everyone had a chance to grieve. Then we all started thinking about it. And I specifically remember thinking, how do we build that story? What do we have with Paul? And really for me, it was about, can we give the audience a cathartic experience to say goodbye? Can we do something that's worthy of Paul that he would appreciate? It really came down to the last sequence. So I just ended up writing it out. I took it in the studio and was like, this is what I think the ending is. And they loved it. And the studio loved it. That was the moment we all agreed we need to do this. Okay. That's cool. And then he says, in terms of uh, impacting Brian and Mia, the story actually kind of was the same. The only difference is that where Mia, whereas we let Mia and Brian and their family go off to be a family and drop the action elements, otherwise we would have just continued with Brian learning and adjusting his character a little bit. Jordana Brewster was an innocent bystander in this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> in the end of the movie, we were kind of just leaning into a different sort of adventure, but then what happened to Paul once the film came out and it did well and it was great, it could have been the end of the franchise. We actually were thinking there for a minute, maybe we just leave this, go out on a good note, and leave it alone. But we all kind of made an agreement to say that we wouldn't revisit it unless we had a story that did something dramatically different that was worthy of being done. They came up with fate. We did seven movies where it's basically Dom kind of holding the family together and working together and solving a problem. So we started thinking about it, and I came up with the idea of, like, well, what if we do the thing that's the most forbidden thing in the franchise? What if Dom goes dark? What if he's the bad guy? What would the family do? Mm -hmm. So I called the studio, and I talked to Vin, and they were immediately like, now that's interesting. There's something here. I think what happened was Paul in the last film may have driven the thought process to what the story is. I think there's actually an interesting thematic similarity in the story of this film for the team, but particularly for Letty, which is loss. They lose the foundation of their lives. They lose Dom. They don't understand it. They don't know why, and it's very emotional. There's a little bit of that when we get to address with, look, we're doing the franchise now, and Paul's not with us, so we're feeling a little bit of loss, and it's scary, and the foundation will shake. So what's the answer? I think the movie gives a sort of cathartic lesson of how to deal with grief and loss, and the main thing is to stay through it, and at the other side... You'll be stronger, and you'll have the kind of joy. I don't think it really gave us the answer of what the ending was actually going to be, other than, like, Brian's still conflicted about being a criminal, which is the through line for the whole fucking series. Thanks for that, bud. The way that I'm reading that, it's like, oh, yeah, like, we didn't have to change anything. Like, I think that they probably had to change more than he's letting on, but it's more like a, yeah. oh, no, like, we actually, it was the story we always meant to tell, but, like... No, it's not. What that basically makes it sound like is, okay, Brian's here, but he's not really here. He's going to be in L.A., but yes. there, it's like every job is going to be one more job for him, right? It's gonna, like that's not a that's not a place to end up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I was ex- I was hoping for more from that. 
you just you just gave me the like like when you repeat the answer or like that's a that's an excellent question. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> like okay, mm-hmm. cool, yeah. Yeah. Like you didn't fucking answer it though, so cool. I like the idea that like it was always going to be the same type of ending, but I do think that Kate's theory also holds water. That you know the defense holds water. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I'm still with Kate. I don't King think he really blew it up, even though it's from the director and the. Mm-hmm. I mean, the writer. Like, mm-hmm. even though it's from the writer, I don't think he really blew a hole in anything that Kate said. With like, we had to change some stuff. Like, yeah, I know you did. That's all the news that I found. Is there anything else that you found news-wise since Wednesday? No, I didn't. Then one other thing that is wildly unrelated to Fast and Furious, but something we talk about a lot, and just as a headline I saw before we started recording, trivia. Michael Jackson wanted to buy Marvel in the 90s so he could play Spider-Man in a movie. Jesus. That would be so weird. Shimon. Right? He, like, he uh, fucking moonwalks. Spider-Man's moonwalking through the streets of New York. I, I would love it. I wouldn't have said no, man. Yeah. <laughs> he could have ultimately killed Spider-Man forever, right? Or been the greatest <laughs> Spider-Man ever. Like, <laughs> Tobey Maguire would have been like, I'm, I'll never be a Michael Jackson Spider-Man. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on here? Our greatest <sighs> Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh. Rock the vote. I'm going to search on Google News, The Rock President and Dwayne Johnson President, and see if we're any closer to that The Rock Kanye ticket or... The Rock... Stone Cold ticket. Stone Cold ticket, yes. Yeah. The Rock president... Nope, nothing new there. And then Dwayne Johnson president. Remembering Dwayne The Rock Johnson's stint with the CFL's Calgary Stampeders. I saw like a, a tweet about him the other day that was saying that, and I, I totally didn't remember this, that he got like injured in college. Because it was his birthday, so somebody was saying like, from getting an injury in college and playing in the CFL and then becoming a wrestler. He's lived a life, man. Yeah, he is. He's the man. He has we lived the a life. Mr. The Rock. All right, the last thing we have to do before we take a break, as always, is the Fast and Furious Minute, Minute 56, which oh. there's only one possible name. Oh, absolutely. You nailed it. You break her heart, I'll break your neck. Better still, take a look at these. Remember I told you about the guy he nearly beat to death? Toretto did this with a three-quarter inch torque wrench. He's a model of self-control. I need a few more days. I need a few more days. Yeah, it's You got big plans tonight? Yeah, we're going out to dinner. You break her heart, I'll break your neck. That's not gonna happen. I'm gonna show you something. So in this minute, Tanner shows Brian some photos of the guy Dom nearly beat to death, who is Kenny Linder, who we'll learn more about in a minute or two. Brian tells Tanner and Bilkins he he needs a few more days to gather info. Mm -hmm. We're then cut to DT Precision Auto Shop, where Jesse, Letty, and Leon work on the engine for Dom's new 10-second car, as Dom and Brian work on the chassis. And then as the minute ends, Dom takes Brian somewhere to see something. Yes. Which sounds mysterious, but we we haven't seen it yet, so... We'll talk about that next minute. Exactly. Hold off on it. My first question here is where Vince at, String? He's probably still grumpy, right? Like, he, he's not a fan of Brian. Or also, he could be planning the heist. Yeah, I think it prob- more realistically, he's just grumpy. And he's like, he's like, I don't want to hang out if the guy's going to be here. Well, I, he probably wouldn't have said guy. He'd have used a slur, but... Oh, actually, so Alex tagged uh, our Too Fast Too Forever in a thing on Instagram that Machine Gun Kelly was 
reenacting all these like famous movie scenes. Oh. And he did the watch your back scene and he did not say the hard F. And so Alex just tagged us and said, look at this classic censorship. Like just, he did such a good thing. We're like, oh, he's family. So uh, it's very cool. But just, you know, if you like Machine Gun Kelly, he's acting out that, uh, that Vince scene where, you know, very try cool. Fat Burger. That's very, very cool. I did, I'm going to have to go check it out. I'm not a big Instagram user, so I don't see stuff like that often. Oh, so here's one thing I tried to figure out and I can't, and I cannot find this online. Kay. I wanted to find out who the actor is who plays Kenny Linder, the guy in the photos. It looks a lot like Channing with a broken face, right? Yeah, I can't find him. He's like, he's not on IMDb. If you Google, like, Kenny Linder, The Fast and the Furious, like, nothing comes up. I don't know who this guy is. We'll have to check the credits. Like, I'm sure somebody has a credit role. But even then, it's like, it's a picture of an actor. It could be anyone. That's actually something that we're going to need to look forward to. Like, that's a reason to watch the credits, because on IMDb, there's only, like, 25 people listed acting-wise, and there might be more in the credits. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? What did you find? What did you catch in this minute? Because there's one other thing that I want to, uh, that I blacked out. I don't know if you saw that. I don't know if you cheated, but I will will reveal it. It's not super important, but I'll reveal that later. But what did you catch this minute? I got the, the wording on the pizza box. It's a very generic pizza box wording, but I got it. It says, okay. your independent pizza operator, with pizza all caps, operator cares, this box contains recycled materials, don't break the chain, recycle on the pizza box. Ooh, cool. Yeah, I thought that was cool. So this is something I had to ask you about. On the engine that they're working on, that Jesse, Letty, Leon are working on, right? On yep. the side of it, it says something-m-racing.com. And it kind of looks like j-m-racing.com, but it could be an I or it could be an L because like just the angle of it and the way the light's hitting it. I went to every one of these websites and as you guessed, none of them exist. It probably did exist at one point, but who knows what happened to it. Do you think it's a J, an I, or an L? Boy, it, it, it comes in so quickly. Like I thought I paused it at the right time and like, you know, you have to, you probably you have to basically did. pause, you have to like preemptively yep. pause it. Give it another shot. Because there's another thing, actually, while I'm doing this, why don't you talk about the other thing that you're not sure exactly what it is that you tried to Okay. in the in the shots of Kenny Linder. In the shots of Kenny Linder, when he sets the first photo down. If you look on the top left of Kenny Linder's head, there's something sitting there. It's partially covered by the sheet because these are like autopsy photos or something. Or no, they're just like hospital photos, right? Because he almost beat him to death. That's the thing. So they're hospital photos. And next to him, it looks like there's something and it kind of looks like a weird colored iPod, but it probably isn't. I think it. what, what that looks like to me is just what? like an electrical outlet, like some kind of like... But it's on the bed. I don't know if it's on the bed or on the wall behind him. I don't think it's... No, because it looks like he's like laying down, right? Aren't they all like he's like laying down like in a hospital bed? Let me look that back up. I'm looking at the JM Racer right now. I think... So I don't think it's an... I mean, it could be. It looks like... So I'm basing this on the eye in racing and where the dot on the eye is. And it kind of looks like it's dotted. Right? It kind of so like Actually, J. you know what? I think what it looks like what's hanging below the line is actually a reflection. It's probably LM racing, I think. That's my best guess because I don't think anything okay. drops down. I don't think. Yeah, because the G in the racing is lower and it didn't look like it was that low, but it also looked dotted to me. So I was like, it's either an I, an L, or a J. In this picture, he is, he's definitely laying down or something because there's a pillow behind him. Yeah, I was thinking maybe that he was like leaning, like you're sort of, he's like at his back's at like a 45 degree angle and he's leaning against the wall and like that's on the wall behind him, but it doesn't look like there's a... Oh, you know what? If he's in a hospital bed, maybe it's like some kind of hospital machinery, like you know, his heart rate monitor or something like that. Right, like, that's what I'm thinking, like, some kind of proprietary plug that, like... I don't think it's a plug, dude. I think it's, I think it's, like, a piece of equipment. But yeah, you're right, that, that's, that would make sense. 
Yeah, it looks like an iPod or something, though. It's, it's like, very strange. It's black and kind of silvery, and looks like it has, like, a scroll wheel. That's why I was getting the iPod vibes, because remember, like, the old school scroll wheels? Yeah. It looks like it has one of those, but I don't know if that's just, like, not that or a button. Who knows? So my, uh, my the thing that I blacked out what? was, like, I kind of pulled a U. What? I uh, googled corn chips brand GUI. And you find it? Guiltless Gourmet, baby. Oh, yes. Click on that link. You can buy these on Amazon. And like, look at that's the bag. That's 100% the bag. Let me see. Let me see. I, I did this. Oh, you fucking nailed it. Yep, you did. Right? 100%, brother. You did. I even did that same Google last time when I was trying to figure out what it was. I really did it. Glad you found it. I don't know how the fuck I didn't. Awesome. Yeah. Guiltless Gourmet. That's really, really cool. So we can eat some nice Brian tortilla chips. And we would have to assume that this is probably the brand that was being used on the set. So it's probably the brand in the barbecue as well. Probably. Probably. So we got to add it. Uh, you know, uh, hold on. I'm going to go on our... So we still have on the uh, Too Fast, Too Forever Facebook page the event that we made for 1327, right? Yes. Um, so I'm just going to post in there. Because we have, like, I looked at the date, and it's like 12 yeses and, like, 17 interested. Again, <laughs> just say Yes. We're not going to hold it against you, but I'm going to post in there right now who's bringing the guiltless gourmet (laughs) corn chips. That's awesome, dude. Good job, bud. I love finding stuff like that. We're going to have like a whole list of like these really bizarre products that we'll need for a barbecue at some point that like won't make any fucking sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just invited Kara. Apparently, I, I don't think, I think we made it before Kara was on the podcast. I mean, we definitely made it before the Kara, before us on the podcast, but uh, you know, Kara, hopefully going to be there in, in uh, seven years. True. The only other real thing of note that I want to say is that the song Mercedes Benz by Say Yes Begins, and that was also featured in the film Rush Hour 2, which came out the same year. So, oh, very cool. Getting that song around, shopping around. He got the good royalties. Two big, pretty big movies that you get royalties for. Yeah. For the future Fast Connections, the name of the minute is from the, the conversation that Dom and Brian have when they're fixed, they're working on the chassis, right? Yes. And then Dom's like, hey, you got big plans tonight? And then this is like, clearly they have talked about it, right? Because like, it's not like, hey, I'm taking your sister out. It's like, yeah, we're going to dinner. And he knows. And that's when Dom says... You break her heart, I'll break your neck. I made a note that he does, in fact, break me his heart, <laughs> and Dom does not break his neck. So, what a liar. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, you, you really got me with that one. Thank you. I'm glad that you wrote that in there. I laughed when I read it. Are there any other notes, any other points, anything else you want to say before we get to the trivia questions? No, get to the trivia questions. I want you to read them, and I have a thought. So, I have two different ones. We don't have to do both. I think one is more obvious. I don't know. They might both be easy. They might both be difficult. I'm not sure. I wrote down what gauge torque wrench did Dom use to, quote, nearly beat a man to death? The answer is, of course, three quarters inch. Of course. Yeah. And the other question I wrote down is, what is Vince doing as the family prepares Dom's new car? And the answer is unknown as he's not seen at the garage. Now, do you like either of these or do you have another one that you'd want to do instead? I like the wrench one. I don't like the second one and I have a replacement for it. Okay. How many photos of what's his name? Of Kenny Linder. Does Bilkin show Brian? Because it's like one of those things that it, this could easily be one. It could easily be four. You don't know. You know what I mean? Just like one, two, three, four. The answer is, of course, three. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go post this and watch my friends rage about this. I asked my other friend uh, about the what appliance is the dirtiest, and he was like, the TV. But I only know that because you guys were tweeting about it the other day. <laughs> and I was like, why the fuck are they talking <laughs> about the TV? And I was like, I don't know. Like, yeah. you got to look at it. It's fucking dirty-ass TV. Any other thoughts about the Fast and Furious Minute? Minute 56, you break her heart, I'll break your neck. Before we take a break and talk about diagnostics. No, I'm excited for the next minute. We're getting really, really close to like a, g- a good one, right? Like, uh, yeah. we're, we're getting to the, like the dad part, so... 
Yeah. Yeah. It'll be really cool. Well, let's take a quick break. Let us hear another word from our sponsor, HKS USA, and then talk about the fast and the furious. Go deep diagnostics. Episode number 89, Diagnostics. This episode's brought to you by the FCON V Pro, which has now hardware and software been upgraded to version 3.4. Fuel injector control is available up to eight injectors. This enables setting of up to eight cylinder engines with sequential injection system or four cylinder engines with twin injection systems. Thank you, HKS USA. Thank you, HKS USA. Now, Joe, I have a question for you. Are you ready to go? Maybe, actually, I haven't read this. I haven't really pre-read this. I've sort of pre-screened it. But I was going to say, are you ready to go possibly way too deep on the first movie? As if we haven't committed to doing that already. I know, right? Yeah. So I'm kind of modeling this episode, Joe, after a little bit after our uh, Viva Pod Vegas episodes that uh, Mike and I do on our Elvis Presley film podcast. Okay. Uh, So first thing up, I want to go to the taglines, because we never actually talked about this. The taglines... The original The Fast and the Furious. What are they? Live life a quarter mile at a time. Obviously. Of course. Racing back to theaters. That was for the 15th anniversary re-release. I guess it went to theaters maybe four years ago, possibly. I don't remember that, but... I don't remember it either. Pre-podcast. If you have what it takes, you can have it all. And all is in all capital letters. That's... Okay. That's kind of cheesy. Yeah. If loyalties must be broken, if the lines must be crossed, do it fast, do it furious. Ooh. I like it. That's a good one. That's a good one. You need to throw the title into the tagline, right? Like, Yeah, but here's my favorite one. What? Tell me. Because it's not really... Like, it's kind of about it, but not really. Go ahead. When the sun goes down, another world comes to life. That's a good one. That's a really I like good it. one. It, it yep. doesn't really describe this movie. No. It describes, like, the first race, and that's it. But it, it, it adds some mystery and some suspense to, like, what the movie could be about. So I kind of yeah. like that. We've talked about this before, but in terms of box office... The Fast and Furious budget of thirty-eight million dollars opening weekend domestic made forty million. So even if you you know it's gonna you're gonna spend more money on marketing, and we'll get into that. There, I know that there's some trivia about that later. It made more money on its opening weekend than it cost to make the movie worldwide gross for the first one two hundred and seven million dollars. Jesus, smash hit, smash. That's hit. why, of course, we have nine of these now because the first one was so wildly successful. And why we exist, you and I. Yeah. The Fast and Furious on Letterbox now. This is now going back to our our Zack Attack days. Has an average rating. Do you want to guess? It's. We're going to just tell you, and then we can 3. play. 2. I would do one. Three point two. Three point one. You're very very close. That, that was purely a guess. <laughs> Without any hints at all, I was that's what I felt in my gut. So Yeah. Damn point so one. This movie off. has been seen. Actually, hold on. Ooh. So Mad Max Fury Road. Ooh. We have not played this in a long time. We haven't played this game in a long time. I'm excited. Our fans might not even know about this game, right? No, I don't think so. So this is something that we did on we started in the middle of Zack Attack, and then we played through all of Boyfriend Material and all of Magic Mike's when we did that. But so Mad Max Fury Road is not necessarily the most popular film on Letterboxd, but it was the one that the we used as the metric, right? Yeah. Yes. 
because it gives me a scale. So what the, this game is going to be, I guess, how many people have seen this movie and logged it on Letterbox. And we always used Mad Max Fury Road as the benchmark to just see how many people had logged that. And I like kind of scale it and take a guess. For yes. a while, especially on Zack Attack, I was getting absurdly close to yeah. how many people, like, I mean, within tens, you yeah. know, it, it was it was insane. It was crazy. Joey was always super surprised. I never cheated this game. I've never used Letterboxd. I don't even think I logged into Letterboxd ever. I made one for you when we were only logging every time you watched We Are Your Friends. Yes, exactly. But I don't even remember the login for that. But anyway. I don't. Mad Max Free Road has, and this is a crazy big number, that it's, it's, it's dwarfed the previous, I don't remember what it was at, but this feels way bigger. It was like 350,000. 550,000 now. Uh, damn. Okay. Yeah. Right? Letterbox is getting bigger. Cool. The Fast and Furious 2001 directed by Rob Cohen has been seen by how many people? I would say logged on Letterbox Fury Road. And this is tough because like, it's a classic, but it's not, you know, it's not necessarily in the yeah. Letterbox aesthetic. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. I'm going to go 117,000. You're not wildly far off, but you're a little low. I'm a little low. Mm-hmm. Okay, 125? 146. 146,000. I started at a pretty good place. You started, yeah, you were not that, in the grand scheme of things, not that bad. <laughs> no, not that bad. I actually cool. wonder, what do you think? Is it probably Fast Five is probably the most logged? Let's see. Eight. It has to be the newest one. I'll look up eight. I'll look up five, eight, and Hobbs and Shaw. Or maybe seven, because Brian dies. Five, 115. So you're right, it's not that one. Okay. Seven, 129, still less than the first one. Okay. Fate, 97. Damn. Hobbs, 71. So none eclipsed the first one, apparently. I mean, of the ones you checked, yeah. They're not watching two or three or four. Or, I'll look at six. <laughs> six has been 110. Tokyo Drift, 103. Yeah, so like the first one is the most popular one in terms of letterbox logging, okay? So now out of those 146,000 people, how many put it in their top four? So on Letterboxd, that people Ooh. don't know... You have four films that you could feature as your favorite films. Sometimes people do it as a joke. Sometimes people do it, you know, seriously. I have, right now, I think I have three cats and Paddington (laughs) 2. So, you know, it is what it is. But how many of those 146,000 people have put this in their top four? I bet it's a high number comparatively to what we used to get with, like, Zack Attack movies. I think that it has to be, we said, 145,000 watches. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess... It's going to be like 1,700 people. Way, way lower. Really? 250, 250 people? 287, I think, if I'm right. Damn. Yeah, 287. So you were wildly off, and then you were wildly close. Yeah, I expected more people to really, really enjoy this. I thought I thought that we were going to get a lot of Paul Walker stands, you know what I mean, that would have... Yeah pick this really high. Um, I always like to factor in the teenage girls. That's, you know, big factor in this. Lower than I expected, for sure. We have one more thing to do in a Letterboxd game, what? and it is to find someone who loves this movie, and okay. to find if we can guess, if you can guess what's in their top four. This is all, again, before we actually talk about this movie, but this is, you know, I found this person named Grace, at Grace underscore Sophie. She's from Scotland. Ooh. She has a Twitter account, but she has not tweeted in three years, but I'm still okay. going to tweet at her. Bio is objectively terrible taste in film. Okay. She has written three reviews for this movie. So she wrote a selection of lines from this absolute masterpiece. Bullshit, asshole. No one likes the tuna here. I smell skanks. skanks. True. Why don't you girls just pack it up before I leave tread marks on your face? Dear heavenly uh, spirit, that whole thing. <laughs> yes. He was praying to the car gods, man. I never narked on nobody. Great line. What is this guy, sandwich crazy or something? <laughs> Brian Earl Spillner. Sounds like a serial killer. Is that what you are? Look who it is. Old coyotes are us. Good if you ones. want time, buy the magazine. And then her last one is just, Reese Wars. Oh, 
okay. Five stars. Then she said, ever since Brian looked Dom in the eye and said, I owe you a 10-second car, my life has never known peace. Well, what? I don't know. And then she says, Michelle Rodriguez, also five stars. Then Michelle Rodriguez should have won an Oscar for her portrayal of a deeply sexy and permanently disgruntled lesbian whose weird-looking boyfriend is embroiled in a love affair (laughs) with the town's newest blonde bimbo. (laughs) That's a take that we can get behind. Yeah. I'm actually not going to tweet this at her. I am going to find her most recent review. Let's see here. Reviews. In the last month, Grace has watched Gone in 60 Seconds, although it is that Angelina Jolie bullshit. Bullshit. Uh, She watched Better Luck Tomorrow. She watched Fast and Furious 6. Damn. She's in it. Okay. Yeah, she is. Oh, to be Han, the Fast and Furious' sexy motorcycle riding girlfriend who travels the world with him and eventually gets killed off solely to bridge a continuity gap. Oh, boy. I'm going to comment on that one. That's a wonderful take. (laughs) Boy, do we have a podcast for you. She wasn't using Twitter, so you're going to let her box her. I get it. So now we have Grace, at Grace underscore Sophie. Her top four films, the Fast and Furious, is number four. Can you guess the top three? Okay. I don't. Mm. So here's 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 how Will this I be game able works. To get any? Yes, you know all three of these movies. Okay, they're all kind of indie movies, but they're all big indie movies. They're all recent. They're all from the la- They're all from the 2010s, except for the Fast and the Furious. Okay. Okay. Um, so the way that this works, dear listeners, I basically give Joe clues that are helpful to no one but him. Yes. Yeah. And he somehow deciphers this. So okay. So number one yeah. was my favorite movie from the last decade, a movie that you and I both love, especially love the soundtrack of. Uh, Spring Breakers. No, the other one. Um favorite one and we love the soundtrack of it too yeah drive no what american honey oh fuck okay yeah i love american honey one is by it's a movie that i don't know that you and i have ever talked about but it's a movie you definitely know about and you've definitely i've almost certainly seen but made by one of the directors that we talk about more than almost any other director that's not tarantino yeah i'm gonna guess that it is a david fincher movie ding 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 you see, like, that's what, I talk, that's what I'm talking about. Like, this is like, it's like the newlywed game in a really weird way. It is, it is, it is. What David Fincher indie movie? From the last decade or so, that I don't think we've ever talked, I mean, we might have talked about it because he's only made like eight movies or whatever, right? But like... Not the game. No, it's more way more recent than that. What is his recent ones? I don't know his recent ones. Fight Club? Way more recent than that. They're both, both movies you guess are in the 90s. That's true, yeah. So this movie is from 2010. So actually, so newest first. Going back, we have Gone Girl, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, then this movie, then Benjamin Button and Zodiac. Interesting. I don't know. What is it? The Social Network. Oh, fuck. I always forget that he did The Social Network. Yeah. God damn it. I feel like I was just watching that. Oh, no. You know what I was watching? I was watching Batman versus Superman, and what's his fucking name is in the movie. Yeah, he's Lex Luthor. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg is Lex Luthor. I was also saying to Rachel, like, every time that I hear them, I heard them say Lex Luthor, all I could think about was the Lex Luger drop in all of those, like, trap songs. Every trap beat would come out, and it'd be like, it's Lex Luger, remember? Or, like, Maybach music. You know what I mean? Like, any yeah. of these things. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. It was a tag, yeah. <sighs> Number one, I don't know how I'm going to get you to guess this. It's a movie that I'm pretty sure you've seen that I think we've talked about. It's okay. made by two directors. Okay. They put out their second movie, their second big movie. They've done a couple movies, I think, before that, but their second big movie. This was their first, like, big movie. They put out their second big movie last year, late, late, late last year. Interesting. That we talked about on this show briefly. We didn't talk about the movie. We didn't cover the movie, but we talked about that new movie. And this one also stars, this movie that I'm trying to get you to guess, stars the upcoming Batman. Oh, good times. Yep, good times. There you go. (laughs) If that sounded so weird to anyone else, yes. Joey and I have been friends for way too long. That's what exactly just happened. 
if you like the connection of it's a movie made by two directors that had a movie come out that's an indie movie that stars the new Batman, and I got it. Also, we did not do this version of it this time, but like I almost, I sometimes have to give you like wrong clues because I know that your brain is going to think the wrong thing. <laughs> yes, yeah. Jelly, Jelly will be like the girl that's not Helen Mirren but looks like Helen Mirren. Like who's yep. in? The, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you're okay. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. But like, you know that I wouldn't know the name of the real actress. So you're like the one that you always think is this person. He's like, oh, okay, yeah. All right, so now we're going to go to the fandom page, and I'm just going to read some stuff. We're going to talk about some stuff. We cool. probably know some of this. We probably don't know some of this, but uh, here we go. So there's an alternate ending to the first one. Interesting. What is it? I don't know this. So an alternate ending named, quote, More Than Furious was released on the Blu-ray bundle for all five movies from the first five. In this ending, Brian resigns from the LAPD and Tanner drops him off at the empty house in Echo Park. Brian goes to the garage to see Mia packing up, informing him that she's moving away. Brian then tells her about his resignation from the LAPD and that he wants another chance. Mia says it won't be that easy, to which Brian remarks, and I'm getting chills just thinking about it, I've got time. Oh, Jesus. Wow, I didn't know that. How the fuck did we not know that there was an alternate ending? Did you know this? No, but, uh, you know, we might find out next lap. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Hint, hint, for sure. There is a list on this wiki of four, eight, twelve, like twenty to twenty-five-ish cars that are in the first movie. These are the major cars used. Do you okay. want to try to guess them? I could. I could probably list a bunch of them. Let's see. How are they sort? Oh, they're sorted by make. Okay. Let me pull this into a different document. Hold on. Does it include the motorcycles too, or no? Um, Yamaha, Suzuki. No. These okay. are just cars. Okay. Go for it. Whenever you're ready. There are. Let me just count. Actually, how many there are? Five. 10, 15, there's 22. Okay, let me go through all the main ones, right? Dom's yep. Challenger, Dom's Charger, sorry. Yep. Dom's RX-7, the red Mazda one. Mazda RX-7, yep, that's Dom's. There's okay. also, I will give you one that you didn't get, but there's a Race Wars participant also has an RX-7. Weird, okay. So actually, so Dom's Charger is a 70 Charger. Yeah. Dom's RX-7 is a 93, okay. and the Race Wars guy, the Race Wars one is 95. Okay, okay. Then let me go keep going here. Letty has the Nissan Altima. There's not a Nissan Altima in here. What is it? A Nissan what? There's two There's two Nissans, but neither are to Letty. What is... Oh, Leon has the Altima. Leon has a Skyline. He has a blue Skyline, but who has... Then, then Vince has the Altima. Vince has a 240SX. Is that an Altima? No, it's not. He has a 240SX. Jesse has the white Jetta. Yep. Also, what's kind of cool is that they also have whether they're active, damaged, or destroyed. Oh, like in real life. Oh, cool. His is damaged. I know. I think just in the. I think in the world of the movie. Oh, well, actually, there is there is at least one motorcycle on here, which I will. But there's Jesse's Volkswagen is damaged. Dom's Dodge Charger is damaged, but everything else you've said so far is active. Okay. Uh, let's go. Mia has the has the Acura Integra. Yeah, so hers is active, and also somebody else has an Acura Integra. So hers is a 94. Somebody else in the movie has a 96 Integra. Can you remember who that is? Who has another Integra? I went through Vince, Leon, Jesse. And this person's not family, but they're family adjacent, kind of. An Acura Integra... Is, like, Hector have an Integra? No, he had that Civic. No, but you're very close. Very close with Hector. What does that mean? And Hector's car is not actually not on the list, so... His his Civic, yeah. Oh, a bunch of Honda Civics, just for everyone, right? There's two on here. There's one that just Street Racer is a 93 Civic, and then there's one that Letty, Dom, and Leon all drive. That's destroyed. But yeah, there's two Civics on here. Who has another Integra? 
I don't know. Who is it? Edwin. Edwin has the Integra. That's right. Okay, cool. So that gave me an opening there. Brian Supra. Yes, Supra. Mark IV from 95. Yeah, that's the orange one. Mm -hmm. And his Celica? Uh, That's not on the list. I don't know if that's a the car green, that he has. Or not, the but there's, there's two other there's two other cars that Brian drives that are in this movie that you've not said yet on this list. Oh, uh, the parts truck from Harry's. The Ford, Ford F one fifty SVT Lightning. Yep, from ninety nine. Yep. And the green mm-hmm. Toyota. No. What is the green car? Fuck, I keep forgetting. I, I think he this is the green out. one. I don't know. What is it? 95 Eclipse? Yes! That's right. He has the Mitsubishi Eclipse. Okay, so Brian's green Mitsubishi Eclipse. That's what I keep thinking, because I keep like thinking about the fucking Supra. Okay. Yep, and there's another... Somebody else has a Mitsubishi Eclipse as well. There's a very obvious one. Of all the lines in the movie that mention a car make, what's the most famous one? The 2JZ engine? No. The Supra? What's the most... More than you can afford, pal. Ferrari... Ferrari F three five five three fifty five Spider. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's one more Dom car. One more Dom car that he drives. That's not the Mazda and not the Charger. What else does he have? Got a Chevelle, a seventy Chevelle. Oh. There's one. What does Tanner drive? And this is just what's what's a what's a cop car? The Ford Expedition. No, just a sedan, a Ford sedan. Okay. Um, a Crown Vic. Yep. Cool. And then there's five that are left, and they're all part of Trans Crew. So guess Trans okay. things, and yes. then one other thing. The Honda S2000. Yep, that's Johnny Trans. Yep. The Lexus that they have. Nope. I mean, they might, but it's not on the list. What are the other cars in Trans Crew? I think that I now just there's also a chance. I know, I know at least. Actually, hold on. Let me let me let me look something up. Hold on. Okay, that's a bike. So the Suzuki or the Kawasaki? There's a Kawasaki 650. Okay. Yeah. Those are the bike brands that I remember. Okay. There's two bikes. I think there's three bikes left, I think. Yeah, the, I don't. I won't know any of the bikes. They're all Hondas. There's CBR 600, uh, CBR right, 900, and a ones. CR 125. That's right. All the Honda ones, yeah. Two by Tran and one by uh, Lance. Yep. Yeah, that was cool. That's a that's an interesting list. I mean, I think they got, like, a lot of the main ones, but also some fringe ones that were weird. Yeah. Like the Ferrari, like, I guess in the list of 20 cars, that's one that I would not have remembered. Right. But, that's I mean, cool. it, is a, it is, you know, an important one narratively, I guess. Yeah, it is. Scene. True. All right. So production. So in early 2000, after filming on the Skulls finish, and if you have not gone, if you've not listened to our Skulls episode, go back and listen to that. Yeah. Paul Walker was approached by Rob Cohen and producer Neil Moritz, who asked him what he wanted to do next. Walker said he wanted to do a mashup of Days of Thunder and Donnie Brasco, where he played both a police officer and a race car driver. I love Donnie Brasco. Do you like that movie? I never saw it. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. When we were doing, Rachel and I were watching through like a bunch of gangster movies, and everybody talks about Goodfellas, Casino, Godfather, right? right? Scarface, all of these ones. Donnie Brasco is my best sleeper pick in that genre, and it has Al Pacino in it, it has Johnny Depp in it. It's a great movie. Highly recommended. Cool. It's a gangster movie, just like any of these that came out. It was like much lower tier, doesn't get the hype of them, but I really love it. She loved it. I think you would like it too. Very cool. All right, I just added it to my list. They showed him the Vibe magazine article about illegal street racing in New York. The producers decided to give Walker a strong co-star. Originally, Universal agreed to greenlight the movie if the producers could get Timothy Oliphant, which we knew, I think we mentioned it one time a long time ago, yeah. to play the role of Dominic Toretto. However, 
Oliphant refused, leading to Vin Diesel being cast instead. Perfect. The original screenplay for the movie, titled The Racer X, was written on January 7th, 2000. Another screenplay was written. So that's the area. Another screenplay was written by Gary Scott Thompson on April 20th, 2000, then at the working title, Redline. Yes. The title rights, but not the story rights, of the 1955 film The Fast and the Furious, which, if you remember... And somebody told us they got this for, like, pennies because they owed somebody money or something weird, right? Wasn't this, like, part of, like, a convoluted story? So the Fast and the Furious, I don't remember that part of it, but this is a Roger Corman movie we've talked about a lot on this. Like, he made the Tammy and the T-Rex movie, and he's just, like, the do-it-fast, do-it-cheap kind of canon film, sort of, but, like, was less scummy than Golan and Globus. Okay. Was purchased that the title could be used in the project, another film about racing. According to an interview, Cohen was inspired to make this film after reading the Vibe magazine article and watching an actual illegal street race at night in L.A. film was shot in various locations within L.A. and Southern California. Key locations included Dodger Stadium, Angelino Heights, yep. Silver Lake, and Echo Park as well as Little Saigon and the San, Bernard- San Bernardino International Airport, which is actually the venue for race wars. Cool. Cool. Very cool. The entire last rig heist scene was filmed along the Domino- Dominagoni Parkway on the south side of the San Jacinto Hemet in the San Jacinto Valley in California mm-hmm. near Diamond Valley Lake. Cool. Something we we'll knew about there. prior to filming, Jordana Brewster and Michelle Rodriguez did not have driver's license. So they we both took this. driving lessons. Yeah, this we knew this for sure. Yeah. In the final climactic race scene between Dom and Brian, separate shots of both cars crossing the railroad and the train crossing shot were filmed, then composited together to give the illusion of the train narrowly missing the car. I think we might have knew that too. A long steel rod was used as a ramp for Toretto's car to crash through the semi-truck and fly in midair. Yeah, it makes sense. That's cool. So they originally planned to release it in spring 01, but then the former head of marketing for Universal said that the film was not produced with a great deal of money, but when it was screen tested, the audience loved it. So that convinced them to put it in the summer, and it went up against Lara Croft Tomb Raider, Swordfish, and Dr. Doolittle 2. Damn. And Universal really ramped up the marketing budget. And then that, you know, global box office of over $200 million, they thought it was impressive because the film lacked major star power, it says. Yeah, that's very cool, though. And it, ma- it, ma- it literally made stars, right? Like, you know, Vin yeah. and Brian, or Vin and, Vin and Paul, right? So Yeah, I mean, Paul Walker had the skulls beforehand. But I don't think he was like a star, really. I mean, he no, was he like an up-and-comer, star. maybe, but this is like, this is him. Yeah, and fucking Michelle Rodriguez and Jordana mm-hmm. Brewster, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this, especially in the minute there were two soundtracks, The Fast and the Furious, and then more Fast and Furious, which is yes. more... But apparently, I did not know this, uh, the second one, more Fast and Furious, was criticized by listeners for its use of copy protection software, which rendered it unplayable not only on computers with CD-ROM drives, but also on regular CD players and other CD-based devices. So I don't know where you listen to it, but it feels like couldn't listen to it anywhere, so... Sucks. Yeah, what the fuck? Do you remember this back in the day that you like when DRM stuff first came out, and there would have to you'd have to like use like old CD players to play some CDs? Do you remember yeah. this? Mm-hmm. God, yeah, what a time! What a time to be alive! Yeah, now you just pay for Spotify. Yeah, exactly. This actually was released on DVD. Then they put out the Tricked Out Edition, which we talked about because that came with a turbocharged prelude. It came mm-hmm. out on HD DVD. Mm. Mm along with Too Fast, and then it came out on Blu-ray, of course, now also on 4K. Yes. Tying into your recent buying purchases, your purchases for Rachel, uh, Racing Champions released die-cast metal replicas in the film's cars from 118th to 164th. Very cool. Radio Shack sold Zip Zaps, micro RC versions. Oh, God, I, oh, that's so cool. I remember, do you remember Zip Zaps? No. Yeah, they're very, very cool. Unfortunately. Were they electronic? They were very small 
RC cars. Okay. Yeah, zip zaps. And also 124th scale plastic model kits of the Hero cars were manufactured by AMT Ertl. Man, I need to go find some of these zip zaps now. God, I loved that shit when I was a kid. They had like different motors you could put in them and stuff like that too. In a really weird way. It was, it's strange. Hmm. Like, I was never into cars. I'm still not into cars. So, like, I never... Like, I had Hot Wheels, but, like, I think that was just, like... My dad just gave me a bunch of Hot Wheels. Like, I don't even think they were new. I think they were just, like, ones he had gotten from... You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, from, like, I somewhere. was never, like, I need this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, Zip Zaps were so fucking cool. They have them on Amazon? Currently unavailable. So, what you would get is you would get the car, right? You'd buy, like, one pack that had, like, a car and the remote. And then you could put, like, different body kits on it or wheels... And okay. there was, like, engine... I think there was engine upgrades that you could do, too. You know, get different tiers of engines, and they would get faster. And they could just switch them out. It was, like, a very small motor. So, very cool. Cool. So there's five little bits of trivia here at the at the bottom. And there's another thing I'm going to go through, which I think is going to be the coolest. going to be where, like, I'm what I'm most excited about. But here's some of the trivia. Some of this we knew already. So the first one, okay. the Jetta driven by Jesse, was later bought by Frankie Muniz, which we, we knew. knew that. Yep. To make the cars stand out, Rob Cohen asked the houses in... The owners of the houses in L.A. to paint their houses in Muniz colors which we knew yes we did know that yeah one thing we have not talked about but this also goes into your the point you made on a recent episode the dodge charger driven by vin diesel is the same model used in the dukes of hazard the general lee so not only are the challengers and the Chargers and like literally all these movies recovering yes but like it's also in the dukes of hazard like it's just the most like yeah of course Super it's the charger. Like, what else would it be Yep. Despite the popularity of this movie, video games for the franchise were not produced until 2004, when they had the Fast and Furious video game, and 2006, also named the Fast and Furious, for American and Japanese arcades. In 2015, Playground Games developed a Furious 7-themed expansion pack for Forza Horizon 2, which I played. And then the final thing is that it was credited, it's often credited, the movie, for popularizing import tuner culture that later influenced established racing games like Need for Speed and Midnight Club and television series like Fast Lane and 2004 film Torque. Yeah, makes sense. We knew that, kind of. So now, the most interesting thing, and I have not read this at all, so I don't know what's in here, but there's an entire fandom thing, differences between the original Red Line screenplay and what we actually saw on screen. Oh, okay, kick it. The screenplay featured at least three revisions... A blue revision dated May 5th, a cherry revision dated July 21st, and a final revision August 23rd, which is, you know, eight to ten months-ish before this movie came out. Okay. So during the first heist, the truck driver doesn't get to use the baseball bat against the hijacker as a smoke grenade is thrown into the cabin. However, he's alerted the police about being hijacked, and the truck drives through the police roadblock, followed by the Honda Civics, which have no license plates, while in movie... They all have license plates as seen in the final heist. The truck's later abandoned and crashed into the L.A. River with a cinder block on the gas pedal. Oh, interesting. I'm actually very curious to see, now that we have the license plates written down, that you wrote them down, like, if the final plates are going to be the same, you know what I mean? Because, like, we've been noting that they were different and whatever, right? They're not Hector's, so. Not Hector's, no, it's true. Brian O'Connor's original car is a bright green Supra with an intercooler in place of the front bumper. Yes. They go from green Supra to green Eclipse... And then give him an orange Supra later. I guess so, yeah. So they were, okay, makes sense. Harry is a tough, older black man with a prosthetic leg. His last name is established as Jackson. Interesting. Different, I, mean, I don't know if that makes weird. a difference, but like it's a different Harry. Yeah, it's weird. After testing out the car at the Dodger Stadium parking lot, Brian goes to Harry's, which, whatever, who cares? Yeah, we know. Toretto's Marketing Cafe is actually named, or was named, Toretto's Lunch Counter. Toretto's Lunchbox. Yeah. Harry had sent Brian over to the lunch counter to get a sandwich for him with Mia knowing what he likes, a corned beef on a French roll with with extra mustard. For himself, oh man, 
Brian orders a sub with everything. No tuna whatsoever. That would have drastically changed this entire franchise. Although it does sound like he ordered a, a sub with uh, food all over the place. <laughs> yeah, he did. Vince has a yellow Honda Civic, Leon has a blue Celica GT, and Letty has a Magenta Eclipse. Okay, wait. Civic, Celica GT, and then, and then another Eclipse. Okay, mm-hmm. so they kind of just like shifted the cars around a little bit, I think. Brian first encounters Vince. This is, who oh boy. This is like a, this is almost like a George Lucas, like Han shot first. Brian first encounters Vince when he accidentally bumps shoulders with him. And he throws the first punch. Interesting. Wow. Very interesting. So the, the, the version that we saw sees not Brian as like passive person because he gets in the fight, but like Vince is definitely the aggressor. Or here, it's like Brian's the aggressor. Yeah. Very, very Instead of weird. pulling Brian off Vince, Dom pistol whips him Whoa. with a snub-nosed 38 revolver. <laughs> Jesus. Tanner is first seen in the unmarked police car before the race. However, he doesn't quote-unquote arrest Brian. He just asks him to follow him to the HQ. He just, well, that would have been very suspicious if anybody was watching. Right. I also do feel like the way that it's revealed in the movie, it feels like much more of a, uh, oh boy. Yeah. Bilkin's first name was established as Bob. Bob Bilkins. Instead of an older man in a suit, he's a young, really laid-back triathlete in sporty casuals. How did they go from one of those to the other? Like, that's a wild swing. Well, they just switched, like, Harry and, well, no, I guess, like, Muse. Tanner Muse and Bilkins, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Brian mentions the race wars to his superiors early, before Dom's even brought it up, which is probably an illegal event, for Tanner mentions that the San Bernardino, San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department has been trying to bust the races for three years. Okay. I wish that they would. He would have mentioned race wars to the LAPD, and they would have been like, "Not this again." Yeah. <laughs> I thought we just got over that. <laughs> Hector's car is a Nissan 300ZX. Okay, in, in the in the screenplay. Yes. Yeah. So this he's is not all driving that's in the screenplay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. The first race is for Pink's. It turns out that it's just Brian's car is up for Pink's, and right. But else's. I guess the whole thing was going to be for Pink's. Yeah, makes sense. But can you imagine that you go to one race, you come home with four different cars? If you win. That's crazy. I don't even know how you do it. I mean, you you got to have a crew to drive the rest of them, but they also drove their own car. I don't know, man. Also, I do want to point out that as we're doing this, uh, your wife, Rachel, and Paul Cho yes. are currently messaging back and forth because he posted something about Fast and Furious. She said, boy, do we have a podcast for you. And then he's like, oh, I know. I'm still trying to ace the quiz. And Rachel's saying, I watch the movie so much and they're still so hard. And then Paul just says, yeah, because he asked about the fucking candles. <laughs> They're really hung up on the how many candles there were. Eyes open. Gotta got speed read this room here. Or what's no the the question wasn't how many candles there were. It was are there more Which coronas there more or yes. candles in this room? Yeah. Edwin's car is a gold '66 Chevelle with a supercharged 327 engine. Oh, so he was gonna go muscle car back then. I also like gold too. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny Yamato, the fourth guy in that race, his he has a black Civic instead of whatever color Civic he has. Okay, he, I think he has a white one, right? I think so? I know he's got a PlayStation in there. For sure he does. PlayStation 2. This is uh, pretty wonderful. Letty <laughs> Letty offers Brian a ride home should he lose. Like, basically, just Letty oh. talking shit like, hey, I'll give you a ride home, kid, you know, because you're probably not going to win. That's cool. Johnny Tran is named Pete Tran. P-E-T-E, Pete Tran. Ugh. Way less intimidating. Yeah. Not that Johnny it. is, but, like, Johnny Tran's got a ring to it. Pete Tran is just like, nah. Yeah, what would they call him, like, P.T. or something? Like, he would have to have, like, a nickname. It wouldn't have been, they would have been, like, Petey. Petey. Mia is an art student, not a medical student. Mia's a medical student? Apparently? What book, is she, what book is she reading? I don't know. I don't know. I thought we looked in everything in her room. But here's something that is going to drastically change... 
everything. Letty, not Don's girlfriend. She's actually into Brian. Whoa. Between, like, Mia being a doctor and Letty being Brian's girlfriend would be very strange. I don't know if I can handle that. Mia is about to approach Brian, but when seeing him smiling next to a thrilled Letty, she turns around and climbs the stairs upset. So there's like a love triangle here. Everybody's into Brian. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Dom clearly loves him. Letty loves him. And Mia loves him. It's like a love parallelogram or something. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. All eyes on Brian. Yeah. The new blonde bimbo. (laughs) Brian Supra was from the CHP and found, I think, the California Highway Patrol, probably. And being not street legal they wouldn't have been able to auction it. So I guess that makes sense where it came from. Oh, that's very cool. When Brian mentions he needs a new car, Tanner offers him a Porsche from the Wilshire official police garage, which Brian refuses because the race horse is all about tuner power. So he says he'll look through the impounds. That's that's a cool way to do it. We later see them kind of use that trope when Brian's like, give me cars in the impound, you know? Yeah. Brian's second car in the original one in the Redline script is turquoise blue, originally gray, Nissan 240SX with a Skyline engine. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. But he was already going to get a Skyline. So that's... Yeah. Mia tries to set Brian up with Letty first, but Brian mentions he's not into her. Well, like, now that's contradictory to what we just read about before, right? Well, no, we know that Letty was into him, but he's not into Letty. Okay. Okay. Which, I mean, how are you not into Letty? Letty's the best. I know. I don't get it. Jesse drove a Volkswagen Bug, which I guess tracks, but whatever. Weird. Yeah. Dom's father's car is a 90 Buick Regal stored in a warehouse in San Pedro. Why? What? The Buick Regal would have been cool, though. Okay. Did it say a year or just said Buick Regal? 90. 1990 Buick Regal. 1990 Buick Regal. Let me see. I was thinking of 80s ones. I want to see if they That's like a the real old man car. Who wrote that? That's I don't know, man. Oh, like an old, like this Regal? Not even like the cool ones? Ugh. I would not have been excited about that. I'm glad they went with a uh, Charger instead. Yeah. For sure. On the note of Dom's father, he was a pipe fitter at the Navy Yard with stock car circuit aspirations. Okay. Okay. That would make sense. That tracks. The driver... So I guess this is going through narratively, so I think this is maybe where we're at roughly with a minute now. Okay. The driver who accidentally clipped Dom's fa- father, Ken Jorgensen. Yorgi. When Brian breaks into Hector's garage, he cuts off a padlock with a hydraulic cutter. It sets off an alarm, which he silences by yanking out a phone jack. Oh, yeah, because we were talking about how, like, none of these places have security. Right. Yes, 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 yes. They just kind of, like, break into everywhere. Trans car is a Mustang, Ford Mustang, no year. That would be weird. But it would also track, like I was saying, like, in Japan, like... Johnny Tran's not Japanese, we know this. But in Japan, that all of the kids thought that like Mustangs were very, very cool, right? So In Tran's garage, Brian writes up the serial numbers of the v- VCR players on his arm. Oh, okay. how does he get out of that with Dom? I don't know. I don't know either. Brian plans to call Dom in as a witness in court with the claim that Dom gave him the serials. Ooh. What? I guess he was going to, like, I guess his plan was to be, like, maybe Dom catches him? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, strange. In the screenplay, Brian was raised by his uncle, and both of his parents are dead. Whoa. Well, I mean, I guess we never really hear about Brian's parents anyways, right? Oh, boy. This next thing. Dom and Mia's father had chased off their mother to the New York area. Chased her off? How? I don't know. Maybe just by being, like, an asshole? I guess. But that's interesting, because we've talked a lot about family and not really knowing the parent situation, right? Like... Yeah, both of those are kind of weird. Those are game so, changers, yeah. Brian is Batman. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dom's father just sucked really bad, yeah. but he kind of loves him. It feels weird, and I guess that's why it changed, but like it feels weird a guy would, well, maybe not, that a guy chases off his wife, but also is 
good enough with his daughter to like teach her homework. You know what I mean? Like it seems like in the version we see in this movie, maybe it's through rose colored glasses. Who knows? Yes. And maybe we'll learn more in nine. I don't know. But it feels like this one, like he was a good father. He was especially a good father to Mia. You know, he was great around the neighborhood. Yep. Family barbecues. Yeah, this is a wildly different Dom's father. Yeah, strange. Mia has a Honda Accord. Okay. When Dom and Brian are at the Neptune's net, Brian's beeper goes off, to which Dom gives him his cell phone and takes or tells him to call. It's Tanner calling him back to the HQ immediately. Brian pretends it's his uncle, and when Dom calls back, Tanner plays along, asking him to tell Brian that the least he could do is to have dinner with his family. Ooh. Then we'd have to really have to dumb down Dom to not connect that Brian's a cop that early. You know what I mean? Like, this just gets rid of that. Like, how did he not guess he was a cop at this point, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's smarter. After the trans were released, Bilkins has Brian placed on home duty pending the internal affairs investigation. Like, a lot of this just feels like cool like we don't need to see that you know what i mean like it's just yeah, which whatever is why I cut. brian's father ooh, was a police officer who had an affair with the wife of his colleague jack van patten van mm-hmm. patten then ambushed brian's father and shot him dead whoa wow and yet still brian went into law enforcement after that man strange man. trans suspects brian's a cop and tells it to dom only to get dismissed so i don't know if that's in addition to like, we didn't hear that like that Vince doesn't think, right? So maybe Vince thinks and also Tran thinks. So like, I feel like that's like, oh, Dom is like really dumb if like multiple people, like even like not his friends are like, hey, this guy's a cop, right? So yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Brian is from Simi Valley, California. Interesting. When Dom's crew is pulling the last heist, Tran's crew shows up on motorcycles and attacks them. Oh. Interesting. That's a whole other dynamic. Yeah. Why, though? What's their motivations for it? Probably why they didn't include it. Maybe we get more here. He says Lance is killed when he tries to shoot out the tire on Letty's Civic. However, Letty breaks, causing him to crash and ricochet into a concrete column, and his bike explodes. Wow. Damn. Almost civilian civilian casualties like we see later on. Yeah. We're just killing off random people and yeah. fire explosions now. Sorry, Lance. Sorry, Carr. Imagine what impact that would have had on lifespan. <sighs> man, oh man. Would Lunar She-Wolf... No, wait. Is it Lunar She-Wolf? Yes. yes. Lunar She-Wolf. Zephron Lover 19 is the other one. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Of course. Vince is able to unstrap the cable from his chest and jump on the roof of Dom's Civic, but is thrown under the truck's bumper when Tran shoots up Dom's car. However, Whoa. he pulls himself onto the grill, but then the anchor from the truck pulls itself free and flies out the window, causing him to fall under the cab. The anchor gets caught on the Max Bulldog hood ornament, causing Vince to get buffeted against the truck's tires. Ugh. So more and then Brian graphic. saves Vince when he's about to be crushed by the truck's dual rear wheels. Vince's right forearm has been mutilated by the cable, which it still is. Yeah. But it just seems like a much more violent, much more like gory, you know, high stakes, whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. Mia stays with Brian while Dom, Letty, and Leon drive away from the scene. Okay. It's implied that Vince's arm was amputated as a result of the injury sustained from the failed heist. Damn. Imagine one-arm Vince coming back. We got the scarred arm Vince in five, but one-arm Vince, that'd be crazy. I mean, that'd be like a whoof. Yeah, that'd be really crazy. When Dom's about to find Jesse... Brian convinces him to follow it to Tran's warehouse in San Pedro. Who cares? Ted Gassner is named Ted Henderson and also in charge of moving Dom's loot. Motorcycles, TVs, VCRs, DVD players, and luxury cars and parts, which can be found in Tran's warehouse. So he has, I guess, a fence for Dom, too, which makes sense. That's kind of what we were guessing, right? That he was deal gone sour, right? You were saying, yeah. like, Ted could be the kind of the middleman for both of them. Yeah. 
Tran finds and kidnaps Jesse, who's now in the warehouse, chained to the undercarriage of a Chevy Suburban, hanging from a gantry crane with its wheels removed. It's 20 feet off the floor and being lowered. What is this? So he finds him hanging from a crane? So Tran kidnaps Jesse, ties him to the underside of a Suburban, and I guess is like lowering... It, it, this feels like a very movie kind of thing. Like This reminds me of the scene in Gone in 60 Seconds where he's trying to like crush him in the car kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like, And they yes. like show up and they're like, what is going on here? Yep. Dom and Brian take out Tran and his crew. Brian takes out Tran with a blast from Dom's shotgun, which we've seen recently in a minute. Yeah. And using the crane controls, lifts the Suburban up and saves Jesse. So Jesse lives. Damn, that's a cool ending, though. I mean, like, better than Jesse dying. Brian takes Jesse to Mia before chasing after Dom. Okay. And then at the final race in the railroad tracks, Dom mentions that he's only lost one race in his life, his first, after which his father beat him. What the what? fuck? <laughs> So his dad was just a giant shithead. Yeah, his, da- his dad's a real dirtbag in this one. And the final one is that close to the train, Dom shifts into fifth gear and pulls ahead with a sudden acceleration. Brian realizes he's lost and can either hit the brakes or dot, dot, dot. At this point, the scene cuts, leaving a planned cliffhanger ending. Oh. Who cares if they win the race? Like, who cares who wins the race? Like, that feels like a, a really lackluster ending. I also kind of like the tie situation that happens or like Dom just beating him. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, like that's that's a better ending. And then the final thing, the only thing in production notes here, and this goes back to something we just read about, in a later draft where Letty becomes Dom's girlfriend, Michelle Rodriguez voiced her disapproval over Letty also having to sleep with Brian as she felt it would give her the reputation of, quote, a slut, because she thought many Latinas in Hollywood were seen as that, Ooh. and she didn't want that reputation. Vin Diesel backed her up. That's pretty dope, actually. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. yeah. Stand up. I like that. That was really cool. That was a good fact to end with, too. Yeah, and that's everything on the red line thing. Like, uh, a lot of it, who cares? Like, a different car, it's cool, whatever. A lot of it, you know, whatever. But the family stuff, like, where Brian's Brian. parents being... I mean, maybe his parents are still dead. Maybe his dad had that crazy affair and then was shot and killed. Like, who knows? But Who the fuck knows? Yeah, or Letty being into Brian at the beginning would be a really weird dynamic. Yeah. And that's everything that I had pulled aside uh, for this one. We're going to go more in-depth. So, like, a sneak peek, we mentioned it earlier, but Next Lap, we're... It's not the main theme for Next Lap, but we're going to go deeper into like deleted scenes and stuff like that so we're gonna go more into that kind of stuff but if there's any factoids or any weird things like yes. you know we've not talked about for the first movie yet that you uh think we should Now's talk about shot. that we, shoot we'd like shot, to know guys yeah email family at cageclub.me please that was fun i like that yeah. so now next week we've got two movies and okay. the two that you love what first one on tuesday of course tokyo drift of course yeah obviously duh but then on friday what do we got we have what you basically called, you know, Hollywood Nights a knockoff of American oh, Graffiti. I am so stoked. I love that movie. I've watched it so many times, too. It's just like a very, very enjoyable movie. For some reason, it resonates deep within me, and I cannot wait to talk about it. That'll be fun. You, you've you seen it before, right? We've talked about this. A long time ago. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's it's a great movie. Um, I'm excited to talk about it with you, if, especially if you if it's not like fresh in your brain. Do you remember anything about it? Is it like kind of vague, blurry? So vaguely, but also I wanted to point out that you have homework, sort of, in addition to watching the movie, that last fall, Brian, over on High School Slumber Party, shout out to part of yes. Gala 12, he did a two-part episode with Mike Manzi, the Mikester, and also Chris Podcast, who was on our Tokyo Drift episode in lap, what was that, three, probably, four, yeah. two, four, whatever? So there's a two-part American Graffiti. So if you want even more about the movie, go listen to the two episodes of High School Summer Party. They're episodes number 82 and 83. Very cool. So I, I remember I listened to those episodes, but again, you know, I listened to lots of podcast episodes. I don't remember things about that, but I'm excited to watch it. I'm uh, good. I know Harrison Ford's in it. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's a ton it's, of people cool. from Happy Days. Yeah. Right. 
I'm, I'm excited. That'll be fun, finally, and I can force Rachel to watch it because she doesn't ever want to watch it. <laughs> any other thoughts about anything, the diagnostics or about uh, the minute or anything you want to talk about before we close up shop and then you know, basically go get ready to do the uh, Tokyo Drift family watch party tonight? If you no, not I gotta, join, go, gotta go put my pajamas on, get ready for this watch party. Tell your mother that you're sleeping over at Brian's house. <laughs> Exactly. If you did not make it to our Tokyo Drift Watch Along Party, we'll have another one probably the beginning of Next Lap or something. Who knows? We have not done the first movie. We did Too Fast. Now we're yes. Tokyo Drift, so we'll do another one sooner or later. Yep. But hopefully, you know, if you did if you did show up, you had a good time. I think, it, you know, we had another fun pre-roll. If you did not... Oh, dude, the pre-roll's awesome. Joey killed it with this pre-roll. Go to uh, our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever. There's a playlist there for the 30-minute or so pre-roll. Um, lots of weird stuff, lots of cool stuff. It's so much um, so fun. Go check that out. I love it. But for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family, at cageclub.me. Come back on Tuesday for Tokyo Drift. Come back on Friday for American Graffiti. Check out our Patreon page at TooFastTooForever.com. And like I said, family at cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. Peace out! Peace out. You anus, anus. peacers.